Hi, this is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. This is a character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. St. Louis. Happy Friday. Danny Mack and Michelle Smallman hanging in with you on Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. Randy Carriker is out on vacation. And good morning, Dan. Good to see you. Good morning. It's the uh, final regular season weekend of baseball here in town, but hopefully uh, many more weekends to come in October. Looking forward to it. It's hard to believe this is the final weekend. It is. It's. Um, I always think it's kind of bittersweet because you don't know if you're going to see a player for the final time. Maybe that's a favorite player for a young fan out there or any fan out there that they loved watching let's say Matt Carpenter uh-huh. or you uh, loved listening to Mike Shannon it's his final weekend um, but there's still some unfinished business in baseball but I think there's some answers that need to uh, come about this weekend for the Cardinals and one of them we'll get tonight Dakota Hudson is he's going to start for St. Louis and we'll see exactly how the Cardinals want to play it once they get into postseason play we know Wayno will get that winner-take-all game against either San Francisco or L.A., but I think you need to learn a little bit more about Dakota and what you want to do with him, and then Jack Flaherty. Can he uh, be a guy that you can count on coming in out of the bullpen, which is something that they need to figure out, and to the Matt Carpenter thing, um, he's going to go down as a very good Cardinal and a great 10-year career in St. Louis. I would imagine he's not coming back. And uh, those kind of things are bittersweet, especially if you you, you know the guy and know how much he cares, which I do. Um, for me, I think that's going to be cool to see him, you know, maybe get his due this weekend. And I hope he, uh, that it happens that way and that it, it comes across as a, a really neat moment for him. Absolutely. If it happens. For sure. I know you talked about it on the broadcast yesterday because we tend to live in the moment and we tend to do a what have you done for me lately type society thing. But if you look back on the Matt Carpenter career, we tend to forget because of all the unlucky moments that he's had over the past few seasons, what a clutch player he was for the Cardinals and all the production that he had. And I do hope that he gets his moment here in St. Louis this weekend for the fans to acknowledge that and and give him the tip of the cap. Yeah, very good player. Um, uh, He's got a a ring from 2011. Now, he wasn't part of the postseason run, but did appear in some games that year. World Series in 2013 when they went there. And remember, he played third. He played second. He moved to leadoff. He became a power hitter. He had 55 doubles which is the all-time record and he's going to wind up being in the top five or ten of most offensive categories in cardinals history so uh, a very very good solid um if at not at times i mean it was great career he was very very good so all those things that happened this weekend and that'll be uh, the salute to mike shannon obviously which will be cool and um, i'm just looking forward to it you know we'll see how it all plays out this weekend absolutely well the cardinals get in the win column again yesterday beating the Brewers four to three in the third inning Dan Dylan Carlson steps to the right side of the plate as the the Brewers are leading at the time two to one and here's what happens they haven't made any moves they're going to be high fly ball into deep left center it's at the wall gone Dylan Carlson home run number 17 
his 52nd extra base hit in his rookie season to tie Stan the Man and what he did in his rookie year. Pretty exclusive company. The Brewers take the lead 3-2 to two in the top of the fourth. But then in the bottom of the sixth, Dylan Carlson steps in the box again. This side on the left side. He said, you know what would be fun? Why don't we make it one from each side of the plate today? Just keep getting Carlson hits it into deep right and his second home run. Dylan Carlson, home run number 18. He's homered from both sides of the plate. What a talent. And, Dan, the past two weeks we've seen Tyler O'Neill get honored. We've seen Harrison Bader get on fire. Dylan Carlson has been another huge component to this Cardinals team, especially here down the stretch, and it was nice to see him have such a day yesterday. Very solid year for Dylan as uh, it is truly his rookie year. Now, he didn't qualify for rookie of the year status last year or qualify to uh, have that taken away. So this is his rookie year, and I think we forget because he's – He's not boisterous. Um, He carries himself like a veteran, just the body mannerisms, things Mm -hmm. that he does, how he takes a pitch, the way he plays defense. He's a very good right fielder. Um, He's only 22, and he homered from both sides of the plate on the first pitch. And as we go into this final uh, weekend, it made me think about, you know, going into the season, the Cardinals wanted to find out about their outfield. Mm -hmm. And, boy, have they found out about it. Tyler O'Neill has emerged as – a frontline player. I mean, better than I imagine that he could be. Harrison Bader, I think, while it's been a really good year, I still think there's another level he can get to, and it's been a great year. I think he's going to win the gold glove. And then you look in right field, it's kind of like Steady Eddie as a 22-year-old, and that's Dylan Carlson. So that's twice now in uh, the month of September that he's had multiple home run games and doing it from both sides of the plate, and he passes Stan the Man uh, rookie numbers. And it's not the all-time record in Cardinals history for extra base hits by a rookie that's Albert and it's in another stratosphere but I brought up the stand the man thing to kind of put it in perspective just mm-hmm. how good he's been it's been really good and he's had a great year in terms of rookie RBIs in Cardinals history uh, switch hitters he's got uh, I think in the top three now a hits and extra base hits he passes stand the man so as a rookie he's done a hell of a job for the Cardinals he really has and I, I want to circle back to what you were saying about his demeanor because you know Tyler O'Neill is the muscles and and the power and Harrison Bader is the hair and the spectacular plays and Dylan Carlson almost does at times seem like the veteran in the outfield because of his calm kind of unwavering demeanor yeah he's just never high never low Um, you don't see a ton of emotion from him I I would imagine as the years go on that will change because he'll become the elder statesman of that team and I, I think when he looks around in that clubhouse well, you got Paul Goldschmidt, you got Wayno, you got Nolan Arenado, you got Yachty. You know, what are you going to do as a 22-year-old except keep your mouth shut, show up, play hard, and try to do your, the best that you can? And absorb from those guys. A- absolutely. And uh, right now, Arenado and Carlson, are it's, it's a really unique relationship going on with them. Carlson's kind of like a sponge. Nolan loves him. It's really cool to see. And so, uh, and Nolan thinks that this outfield is about as good as it can get and uh, best he's been a part of. And he's been a part of some good ones in terms of team, looking at it from the team perspective and just loves Dylan Carlson. So it, as I think as we go throughout the years, his a status with the club will emerge and his numbers will continue to improve too. I mean, he's made adjustments already in his rookie year that most guys don't make. And so I would think going forward, he just builds on that and gets better and better and better. 
He does remind me of Nolan Arenado in the fact that Randy and I interviewed him, and I asked him what he liked to do outside of baseball, and he was like, uh, uh he couldn't think of anything. No. And do you know what his answer was? Eat. Yeah. Eat, just eat. He yeah. couldn't think of anything outside of baseball that he enjoyed doing other than eating, which is what we all need to do to survive. Well, he comes from a baseball family, and his dad uh, allowed him to switch hit. His dad was coaching, and Dylan grabbed a bat when he was six years old and started hitting from the other side of the plate, and his dad didn't stop him. You know, he was like, okay, just keep doing what you're doing, and um, and his his family's a really good family. I met his, his parents, and they've been through a lot personally in terms of some just some issues that they've had health-wise. So they're a very tight-knit family, and um, he's just a good kid. I mean, he's just a good guy, and so he's going to put up some pretty big numbers, and as we go along, he's going to be one of those guys that we look back on and go, man, remember that rookie year? Not bad, but look at what he's doing now. 25, 30 home runs, driving in 80 to 100 and, and winning maybe a gold glove. He's He's been that kind of player. He has been really impressive. Jay Happ gets the win yesterday. He gives up three runs on nine hits. He struck out seven and six and a third. It's his longest outing since the Cardinals acquired him on July 30th from the Twins, and it was nice to see him go a little bit deeper. I wonder if the Cardinals, um, how they approach this offseason, do you, do you want to bring Lester back? Do you want to bring Happ back? I, th- I think that we've learned – in this season, and it's cliche, but it is so true, you cannot have enough pitching. And I was dead wrong about this. I thought going into spring training that if, okay, if someone goes down, this guy steps up, that guy goes down, oh, well, you got that guy. It it wasn't right. They just did not have enough pitching. And Hap, I would think that the if the Cardinals want him back, that they would be mutual because he is a fly ball pitcher. And if you've got this defense behind you and John Lester, I, I would assume would attest to this along with TJ McFarlane, who was able to get another double play last night. He's his, a machine. I think it's 12th or 13th since the all-star game, um, all coming in the second half on these ground balls that if you throw strikes, you have a lead defense behind you. So to Hap's case, it was good seeing him go deep. I think he struck out seven. And if, if, this is where he wants to be. I mean, you're going to have some success because of the defense and many of your games, your starts will be in at, at home and the ballpark plays big and he's a fly ball pitcher. So it would make some sense that he want to reunite with the Cardinals. And if Dan, they want to, it takes two to tango. Oh, for sure. Absolutely. And Dan mentioned this earlier, but Mike Schilt announcing yesterday what we all knew that Adam Wainwright would in fact be the starter in the wild card game, either against the Dodgers or the Giants on Wednesday. And it's get this one out of the way, announce it now because you know that it's going to be Adam Wainwright. I can't imagine anyone else getting the ball in that scenario. No, he's the guy. He's earned it. Um, and the last two years, he's been one of the best pitchers in the game. Now, what's interesting is that when he gets rest, sometimes it's not necessarily a good thing. And and so you're talking about, I think it's going to be eight days between that start that he just had and Wednesday on the West Coast. So do you want him to make a, I don't know, one inning appearance on Sunday? I probably wouldn't. I would just push him back. And I think he knows himself better than anybody else. And he'll be fine and be prepared. But I wonder if that's a internal question. Maybe they go to him and say, do you want to do something? Do you want an inning or two? Um, that's something to think about. I, I doubt they would do that. But then... I uh, it's a winner take all. And I, I think the one thing that the Cardinals and I can't believe I would say this where they were in June, but their bullpen is really a strength and they're going to go in with now six guys rested. You've got the big three and then you add 
Garcia, McFarland, and I'll throw Cody Whitley in there too. Cody Whitley's been really good. And so if they get past that game, um, they can shorten games because of their bullpen. Their bullpen is really good. So Wayno goes game one. And that's why I think tonight will be interesting. Do you look at uh, Dakota Hudson if he comes out of this start pitching well and looking very, very effective? If you get past game one, would he get a start? Is he your opener if, essentially in the next series? Mm-hmm. Or is it Michaelis? Or are you going Lester? Are you going happy? You know, but the bottom line is they can shorten games, which is something that not all teams can do. And the Brewers took a massive hit with Devin Williams the other day. That's that's huge. If they can get to Hater, game over. But they got to get there first. And Devin Williams was their best option to do that. So the Cardinals now can shorten the games. So, hey, Wayno doesn't have it that night. He goes four. You're within a run. Turn it over your bullpen and, and see if this offense can't come back, which they've shown a propensity to do. Whoever gets the ball after Adam Wainwright is certainly a big question if the Cardinals do make it past that wild card game. Dan and I are going to dive into that later in the show. That's Danny Mac. I'm Michelle Smallman. But coming up next, get your texts in to the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. It's Friday, so it's time for Peak or Pit. That's next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. <laughs> Michelle Smallman here on 101 ESPN on Carriker and it's always Carriker Smallman and Danny Mack on a Thursday and Friday but Randy, oh, yeah. Randy Carriker's out he abandoned us he totally did I'll tell you what timing is everything you know and uh, the Cardinals go to postseason and Randy's not here to chronicle this run bad timing Randall is this maybe something that we should look into for the coming weeks is it is it I'm a superstitious person if Randy comes back is that bad juju that means that someone's got to get up and do the show with you, though. So Randy will be back. <laughs> you bet he will. <laughs> and we miss Randy. We do. These are early sometimes, man. The some, I don't know. This show is sometimes earlier than others. Yes. And this is an early one. Yes, it is. No yes. doubt. We'll get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line, 65780. It's time for Peak or Pit, the highs and lows of the week. And, Dan, I'll get things started. All right. I don't know how your high is not the way that the Cardinals played this week. History. It's been so God, fun. You stole mine. I know. I'm sure I stole everyone in St. Louis's, yeah. but it it's always fun when the Cardinals are good. It's always fun when the Cardinals are gearing up for the postseason. But just the disparity and in, in the type of play that we saw out of this team this year has made this ride so unbelievably entertaining because yeah. you didn't ex- you didn't expect it. The way that they were losing games. They were finding ways to lose games. And June was awful. And just the way that they were able to turn it on, it has been so fun to watch. I'll go a little deeper dive on it. So I'll just say that my peak, even though it was the run, I'll just say the series at Wrigley was so entertaining, but the double play on the game on Saturday was something I'm not sure that we'll ever see again. And so to take the uh, play even further, I think my peak was seeing Tyler O'Neill hat off 
standing at the edge of the dirt and the grass at shortstop and kind of laughing and watching this whole thing unfold. Like, are you kidding me? Um, Because I think that's how we all felt. It was just crazy to see that play unfold. So that would be my peak. You know what? Again, another layer of this that is a peak for me is it's been a long time since even if the Cardinals were playing and they had a deficit, no matter how large it was, that I felt like no matter what the circumstances, they were going to win. I felt on doing the game Sunday, um, I'm watching, obviously, calling the game, and it's the eighth inning, and they really didn't have anything going. And uh, they're down by a run, and there's two outs, and I still, I remember talking to our crew on a little talk back button. I said, I still think they're going to win this thing. And boom, Bader hits the home run, and then once he did that, you knew the game was over. You knew they were going to win. That's right. So my pit, which also leads into this, is an umpire not understanding the rules of the infield fly. Now, the Cardinals got out of it, but that should not have happened. Not at that level. And I think a lot of times, I thought Mike Schilt did a fabulous job with this. He went out and had his say, and boy, did he have it. He said, you bleeped it up. A couple of, <laughs> He said not once, but twice, and uh-huh. he was right. Uh-huh. And then afterwards, how he handled the, the post-game presser. Now, if they lost, it might have been different, but... He, he took a very um, mature approach in saying, hey, we have an umpiring crew that's a veteran crew. Uh, they're very good with this. Uh, very good guys. They've done a great job, had long careers, yada, yada, yada. And um, But he said something that really caught my attention, and I agree with it because I get people that ask me all the time about it. He's like, there's always confusion for some with the infield fly. And he's right. There, There is confusion. But if you're a major league umpire, you shouldn't miss that. And it just – now, if the Cardinals are 20 games out and that happened, you go, man, that was a really bad call. But it was just because of what was on the line right. at that time. And now, no harm, no foul. They got out of it. The strikeout after that, it was over, and we move on. But I think that was the pit because I had a pit in my stomach if they – if Hap would have hit a home run or tied the game up, I was like, oh, is this how the, this thing's going to unfold? That'd have been terrible, but they got away with it. Yeah, you're like, not like this. Not like yeah, this. No. no. And, and you just can't mess up that rule. No, you can't. you can't. My pit, Dan, is that I recently moved and my entire life is in boxes. I can't find anything. We're not even trying to go to the grocery store because why? I don't have, I don't know where any pots are, can't cook anything. And moving is just the worst. It's the worst. So it that's sucks. my pit. Yeah, it sucks. I hate it. I uh, we moved into a new home. I don't know six years ago or something like that, and uh, so we're packing. My wife is for uh, the entire family, certainly for the kids. And uh, I just said at some point, I said, "That's it. Just get the movers. I'm done." Walked out, went and did something else. Played golf. I don't know what I did. I'm sure I was a great husband at that point in time. Fine. But I said, "I'm I'm done." Sometimes you just have to walk away. It's the worst, man. It's it sucks. And but you, once you're in and settled, it's awesome. And you know what else is the worst about it is that you inevitably lose something. Oh yeah. In the shuffle, and you find all of these things that you're like, "Why do I have this? Or why you, do I need this?" You move, and the things that are like necessities that you're like, "Okay, where's my?" charger for the this and you can't find it yes and it winds up being an expensive move yeah i don't like that either couldn't find a remote which was difficult because trying to watch the games right so we did a lot of streaming on the phone for a few days it was fine yeah all right let's get to your text 65780 the air comfort service text line your peaks and pits of the week emily please read us some 
from the 618 peak. Illinois football is on tomorrow. Oh. Pitt, Illinois football is on tomorrow. <laughs> I was going to say. I and I always. But Are they playing tomorrow? Is that a peak or pit? You know what, Dan? I haven't even been locked Charlotte. in. Charlotte, I think. Yeah, Charlotte's this weekend. Okay. I, I know. I've been so locked into Cardinal baseball. I haven't paid attention to the NFL. The only thing I know about the NFL this week is that Tom Brady and Bill Belichick, the reunion. Yeah. But we've been so locked in to Cardinals and everything Cardinals that everything else has taken such a backseat. And when Illinois football isn't great, it's easy for it to take a backseat. I know you're going to find this shocking. I've done the same. I've been locked into Cardinals. It's that shocking, d- I know. That does surprise me. Yeah. Because usually you're NFL first all oh, over the NFL. Yeah, I just love it. I used to be. <laughs> not first, but Close. Tied for first? I don't know if I was tied for first. I would say below, but certainly paid attention, but not like I, uh, not anymore, not like I used to. That's right. But now that I'm hosting a number one radio show on Thursdays and Fridays with you guys, I'm going to get locked in. And of course, at 10 a.m. Absolutely. Mondays through Friday. With BK. <laughs> This one from Lisa Pitt, a wonderful co-worker announcing they're moving on. And Peak being at Wrigley last weekend in Bush Tuesday. Wowza. Wowza is right. Yeah, I, I said on the game, too, I, I said this is Cardinal baseball is back. And I really meant that. Yeah, not just the winning, um, but the crowds. The crowds have been back. The crowds have been energetic. My understanding is the crowds this weekend, uh, Bush Stadium is going to be just absolutely packed over 40,000 for all the games. I this is like a, as of 48 72 hours ago Sunday was darn near sold out. Saturday same thing and then tonight was very close as well. There were more tickets for tonight than there were on Saturday and Sunday, but um huge crowds, which is great. And considering where we were last year with cardboard cutouts and trying to generate some excitement around a truncated season, this is why you play 162. Boy, if that was ever the case, we've seen it this year, um, you know, 60 games just wasn't the same. It was great because we needed a you know distraction and watch some sports, and it was the best we could do at that time. But man, it's it's nice to have everybody back. The only positive with the cardboard cutouts is that cardboard Randy and cardboard me were front row green seats right behind home plate, and that was the best spot I've ever had in my life. So, well, I um, <laughs> so I cardboard see it on, me loved the truncated season. It, it is on your Twitter handle, right? It's yes, your it is, yes. What do you call it, profile pick or yeah, your header? pick yeah so i i actually got that cardboard cut out the cardinals sent them over and i gave it to my parents and they put it around the house so sometimes they'll put it on an, in an empty chair at the dinner table or it'll just be in the basement sitting go. on the <laughs> cardboard mom was like what do i do with this i'm like i don't know whatever you want so sometimes i'll go over there and it's cardboard me just sitting in the basement couch well they miss you that's right you they know? miss. They're empty nesters. They they need <laughs> they need some the company. That's, That's right. right. That and uh, Fred Bird, Bob Ross. Oh yes. And yeah. when he would do like Fred laundry, Ross. Fred Ross. Yeah, yeah. when he yeah. do laundry or uh, fish. Pose. That's right. That, that was, was funny. They yeah. did a hell of a job with that. Fred Bird was, was the sneaky good. MVP last yeah, year. I know he gave, he gave you a lot of laughs. It was. It was funny. Next one from the 573 pit was the lack of defense displayed at Alumni Field in Chestnut Hill. That was the Mizzou at BC game. Yeah. Yikes. Yeah. And two peaks watching four grandsons play football games this weekend. And from uh, peak was the POW MIA celebration at Hillsborough High School last Friday night. Great to honor those soldiers. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Good stuff. And getting to see all four of your grandkids play this weekend, that's got to be a special time. It's pretty cool. Pretty cool. I mean, having kids and um, I guess, I mean, everybody says being a grandparent is different. And uh, I always tell people that don't have kids, it just 
the minute that it happens, it, your life changes. But when you watch your kids, it's kind of gut-wrenching, too, because you want for them so much. And so sometimes watching sports can be tough. At least I found it that way. Um, but with your grandkids, you're like, well, it's my grandkids. It's, right. You know. Give them some candy after the game. Yeah, That's whatever. <laughs> That's how you do it. From the 847 peak, Cardinals are hot. And Pitt, Mike Shannon retiring. He deserves more than a T-shirt. And he's going to get that. So uh, the T-shirt giveaway on Sunday, and uh, I believe there's a pregame ceremony to honor Mike uh, before the first pitch on Sunday and probably some more, uh, uh, what's the word, celebration, I Mm -hmm. guess. There'll be more celebrations as we go. And by the way, if you've been to the ballpark, they honor him every night. They do. Yes, they do. There's been more than just a T-shirt. You know, 50 years he's been in the booth. I wonder how many hours Mike Shannon has logged committed to baseball. How many hours of his life were spent doing something connected to baseball? Well, think about it outside of even the game. So you go to spring training. You're right. you're away from home. Uh, all the road games that you're away from home. Yeah. I've always said they don't pay me to do the games. They pay me to be away from my family. That's right. I, I, that's how I look at it. I mean, the games are fun. Sure. I mean, they're paying me to, to call baseball. This is as good as it gets. I love baseball, love doing the games. It's what I always wanted to do. But the tough part is when we were traveling was being away. I'm and sure, yeah, and that hard. part's hard, you know. But it's, hey, it's the job. It's And what a great job it is. No complaints. From the 314 peak, have today off of work. And Pitt, I live in Utah, and every golf course is booked completely today. Oh, well, thank you for streaming us yeah. out in Utah. And, yeah, I would imagine in September it's hard to get a random tea time. The weather's perfect in most places. It's a good day to play hooky on a Friday. I wonder how many people... Um either reintroduce themselves to the game of golf or introduce themselves to the game of golf because of COVID. It was the outdoor, you know, or fishing. Fishing was another thing that a lot of people did because you were shut down. You couldn't be around, but you go outside and we're locked down. And all of a sudden people are like, I got, I, I need to go do something. Well, let's go fish or let's go play golf. So I would imagine that the golf game just exploded. I I can't imagine the amount of rounds on certain places um, around town or around the country, around the world that uh, people said, well, I got nothing else to do, so I'm going to go play golf. Oh, I'm sure. I know that you couldn't find a bike anywhere. It was really hard to find rollerblades anywhere because everybody was trying to find any outdoor activity that they could do. Golf, I'm sure, at the top of that list. Absolutely. All right, one more, Emily. Sure. This one from Jack. Peak Stones on Sunday. Pitt spending one and a half hours trying to get out of the parking garage after the Stones concert. Well, that's why you need to be a member of the Missouri Athletic Club because you can park in that garage right there at the downtown clubhouse. You're in, you're out, bing, bang, boom, because that's what I did. I was at the Stones concert on Sunday and didn't wait in any traffic at all, just right out because of the garage there. Was it good? It was good. Yeah. I mean, it's one of the most iconic bands in, in music history, right? Um it was it was interesting because I had never seen them before, and so to see them at this stage in their careers sure. and in their lives was kind of interesting. Like we had really good seats, and at one point I I turned to my cousin who was with me, and I was like, I'm kind of concerned for their well being because they did not. <laughs> Keith, Keith Richards was shredding. Mick Jagger did not stop moving the entire time, the entire show. He was and he's back and forth. Seventy two. He's like seventy eight. I seventy eight. Okay. Need to, I need to look it up, but I'm pretty sure it's seventy eight. Um, but I was tired standing there. Yeah. I'm like, is Mick Jagger going to be okay after the show? But he's a gamer. I saw them, I guess they were in town at Enterprise Center 
Oh, man, it's probably 10 years ago. And uh, and he was just, he didn't stop the entire time. Yeah. And I was like, this is unbelievable. How's this guy doing it? It's impressive. It is. It's just incredible. Oh, and by the way, I just said that it was September. It's October. It's October 1st. We're officially in Red October, Dan. It's uh, 314. Michelle, it's October, girl. It is October, girl. You're right. I totally forgot that the calendar had turned this morning. It's seven and a half hours into October. Hey, you know what? But it's my bad. It's my mistake. I should have known it's Red October. I should have woken up this morning, feet hit the ground. It's October. It's time for some postseason baseball. Let's just win on Wednesday. Let's see them win on Wednesday. And um, that's what's going to be so interesting, man. If they get by that game. Where do they go? How far can they go? It's going to be fun. It is. That's Danny Mac. I'm Michelle Smallman. It's Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. Thank you, Emily. Thank you. And coming up next, we're going to talk some golf with Jay Delsing. It's our Friday visit with Jay, so keep it here on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Carriker and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Michelle Smallman here on Carriker and Smallman with Danny Mack on 101 ESPN. No Randy Carriker today. He is on vacation. He's also out on Monday, Dan. Randy taking a long extended vacation. Long extended vacation, uh, but well-deserved, as we know, for for the great Randy Carriker. Of course. That's right. He and I are going to be in Green Bay this weekend watching the Packers take on the Steelers at Lambeau. Nice. Uh, Weather, I guess, is supposed to be nice. It's not going to be, you know, freezing cold. There's a chance for rain, which is upsetting. Actually, I like that. I like watching football games with inclement weather. Do you? I love it. I used to when I was younger, and now in my old age, Dan, I don't want to be in the cold. I don't want to be in the rain. I don't want to be in the sweltering heat. My couch is just too great. I would assume, though, that are you guys in a box or a suite or something like that? I don't think so. I think we're in the stands. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. I figured you were in a suite. Why? Because Randy set it up, so you thought mm-hmm. we'd be rolling high? Yep. Because he's a big baller? Yep. That's <laughs> why I thought it. So that's, well, now I don't want to see rain. If I was sitting in the seats, I don't get rained on. But if I'm in a suite and can watch, like, it's snowing or oh, yeah. rainy, uh, crazy winds, great. I don't care. I'm in a suite. I feel great. That's right. I am, I've got my comfortable my heat pump no in problem. here. Hot dog in hand. Right. Life is good, no doubt. <laughs> Dan, you know what that sounder means. Uh, refresh my memory. It's time for the phrase that pays. We're going to oh, give yeah. away some Cardinals tickets. Let's do it. So once an hour, we're going to give you a word. At the end of the show, you're going to combine all three of those words and text it to 65780 for the phrase that pays because 101 ESPN has your chance to win a pair of tickets to see the Cardinals take on the Cubs this Saturday night at Bush. This Saturday, 30,000 fans age 16 or older are going to take home their very own Paul Goldschmidt bobblehead courtesy of Purina. Emily has told me she thinks it's sweet, Dan. She thinks his bobblehead is sweet. You, you you like it? It's got a dog with it, right? Yeah, I've got plans Saturday, but I think I'm going to try to get one off of maybe Facebook Marketplace. There you go. Nice, yeah. nice. Right. Well, you can get all the details about this Saturday's Paul Goldschmidt bobblehead giveaway for the Cardinals versus the Cubs now at cardinals.com slash promotions. The first word in the phrase that pays is the. The. Okay, Dan, uh, yesterday I heard you mention it on the Wait a minute, bro- what's the fr- The. Like T-H-E. The, the. The, the. Okay. Do you say the? So it depends on how I, I do both. Yeah, I guess it, it does depend, depend on the context. Yeah, I don't the, know why, but. The, the. The okay. or the. T-H-E. All right. T-H-E. By the way, Goldie, I was doing some numbers uh, going into the, the series, 
He entered May with a 214 average, 597 OPS. Now you talk about getting hotter. Then in June, 239. So he was hit, entering June. He was hitting 239, 686 OPS. July, 252, 735 OPS. Goes into August, 269, 788. Whew. Entered September, hitting 286, 833. And now goes into October. His average is at 295 and 884 OPS. That is cranking the dial. Yeah. He, uh, he got hot and had a typical... Paul Goldschmidt season, and I think he should be the gold glover this year. Absolutely. Um, well, another thing, Dan, that was mentioned on the broadcast yesterday, you guys talked about it, and it was uh, mentioned on social media as well, was that Edmundo Sosa and Yadier Molina will both likely see some action this weekend. And Mundo Sosa recovering from that wrist injury that he suffered uh, during game one of the doubleheader in Chicago. I'm surprised that it wasn't more severe when it happened. I was very concerned that he might be done for the season. And Yadier Molina has been reported dealing with that right shoulder stiffness, but it seems like both of them are going to see some action this weekend. Yeah, those are two guys that are really tough to keep out of the lineup um if they were going down the stretch right now i wonder if they would have played and when i say going down the stretch meaning that they still need to win games um would we have seen them play maybe yesterday now uh, when you don't see him catch Wayno and it's a chance to clinch, you know that he's dealing with something. Sure. So that that would give you a little pause for concern on that. But they they definitely want to get him in this weekend. And uh, and let's just face it, I mean Sosa has earned that spot to to play every day. I think he's he's given them energy, which is something that um, at times they needed, especially when they were down. I remember talking to Ali Marmol, and and I was down on the field early before one of the games at home and uh, we were kind of going around the the infield talking about different players and I said hey what do you, what do you think of Sosa and this is prior to the, the team was not playing well um, and just uh, things were not going well and he was not the everyday player in short and I said you know what do you see with him and he goes the one thing he brings us every single game is just an abundance of energy. And then we saw that energy on display when he got a chance to extend it more and play a little bit more. Um, he was taking ground balls before the game yesterday. I would assume the biggest concern for the Cardinals would be what's it like for him to throw the baseball? What's it like to grip the bat? So he's going to have to get some at-bats in this week because that would be roughly 10 days off without seeing live pitching. And I, I wouldn't feel comfortable sending him out there without having some type of understanding of where he's at physically and, and if it can work and, and moving forward for that game on Wednesday. And, and same thing with Yachty. I think Yachty's got to get behind the plate. Now, I think Yachty could probably walk out of bed and hit, but I still think that you need to find out where he's at physically just to make sure he's not completely compromised where it costs him and the team. This win streak was beneficial for the Cardinals for so many reasons, but when they clinched was helpful because you are getting to kind of dip your toe in with a lot of guys that you have some health questions around, whether it be Jack Flaherty or Dakota Hudson or Sosa or Yachty, you're getting other guys rest. But the fact that they aren't playing until the final game, trying to back their way into a playoff position does allow them to yeah. do things like this so that when the game does come around on Wednesday, they have a, a pretty good feel for who's healthy and who can go out there. Yeah, and I would imagine that this weekend you may not see like the everyday lineup which would include Sosa, Molina, Arenado, Goldie, Bader, Carlson, O'Neal um, maybe tonight or tomorrow you might get another guy some rest 
Or it may be that, hey, we gave him that day. Those guys got the day two days ago. Other guys got it yesterday, and we're going in with our guys that we would normally have one through eight uh, playing this weekend. But I would imagine maybe Saturday and Sunday you would see that, and then uh, you're going to get plenty of rest on Monday and Tuesday and get ready to go on Wednesday. That's Dan McLaughlin. I'm Michelle Smallman. Coming up next, get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. It's time for Tioli. Take it or leave it on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Michelle Smallman here on Character and Smallman with Danny Mac on 101 ESPN. Get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. It's time for Take It or Leave It. And Dan, we've been so locked into Cardinal baseball and, of course, Blues preseason hockey that the NFL has kind of taken a backseat this week. But it is a pretty big reunion. Tom Brady and Bill Belichick will be playing one another since the breakup. It's Brady returning home to Foxborough as the Bucks take on the Pats this weekend. And all eyes are going to be on Brady and Belichick, especially post-game, to see how they respond to one another. Absolutely. And uh, it was interesting this week when Bill Belichick was asked about, um, you know, the reunion and how he left. And and the reporter got after him a little bit and said, I'm paraphrasing, but he, he essentially said, well, you didn't address how this all ended and right. him leaving and if it was good for him and you and yada, yada, yada. And he essentially said, well, no, we, we had a press release and we sent it out and time moves on. Um, I think we're, the, the Seth Wickersham book that's coming out, yes. I'm, I'll be interested in reading that. I love to read books and, and that'll be one that um, I definitely read. I mean, I, I'm not huge into uh, a lot of the drama and the soap opera stuff of a bunch of guys making millions of dollars and winning championships. But these kind of things with drama. Yeah, it, it, this one kind of does interest me. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. And I can't imagine the rating that they're going to get this Sunday night. It's going to be massive for him going back to Foxborough. Um, I'd love to see him shove, too. I think it'd be great to see him go in there and just light it up. Me, too. So in that book, and I know a lot of people who have gotten an advanced copy, and they say it's outstanding. Seth is an unbelievable writer. He gets great access. But I'm really intrigued to read that book because the Pats are are so notoriously locked up with information. You don't get a lot leaking out of that building. Well, I'd be interested in what the the first Super Bowl was like. Oh, yeah. If it goes into how much did they have on the Rams. Good call. I would love to see that. Good call. Well, one of the passages in the book states that Bill Belichick refused to meet with Tom Brady in person before he left New England to sign with Tampa Bay. You were alluding to that. So take it or leave it, even though they probably don't want to, after the game, for the cameras, there's going to be a tender embrace between Brady and Belichick. I'm going to leave it. I don't think it'll be embrace. If you uh, if a handshake is an embrace, then yes. I think it'll be a quick handshake, and then they go their separate ways. I mean, you think about the guys that uh, Belichick has had that were his assistants. I mean, essentially, you're living with these, these coaches, you know, Night in, night out, day after day, early mornings, film rooms, meetings, and then all of a sudden your coaching tree goes on to coach at the Jets or wherever they go, and um, and they meet, and, and the, the teams now meet, and they meet at midfield, these coaches, and you would think they never knew each other. You know, there's just like a quick handshake, and they go the other way, and you can tell that sometimes the student or the pupil or the assistant wants to maybe make it an embrace and, and have a little quick conversation. Hey, coach, great job. You know, yeah. and Belichick's like, no, just there's the handshake and off. 
So that's I, I think that's how he handles Brady, if they even do it. You don't think we're going to see an Albert Pujols-type nope. reunion there? Nope. There's not a lot of love lost between those two. I don't see, think that. I just think that Tom Brady is so media savvy that he knows all the cameras are going to be on them, and he doesn't want to have to answer the questions about it. So I think he's going to be— But he'll still have to ask uh, answer him, though. Hey, what did you guys say? Was there anything whispered in the ears? Did you say anything to Coach? Get that boom mic right yeah. in there so we can all hear it. I, I think that's how they'll do it. All right, my take it or leave it takes us back to baseball. I know that's shocking. Um, <laughs> take it or leave it, the Seattle. Mariners will be the wild card of the American League. They are tied now. They are tied if you wake up this morning with the Boston Red Sox yes. and no one is talking about it. Um, it's incredible what they've done. I mean, they've been out countless times this year and it looked like they were going to spiral out of it. And each time they have bounced back. And so they are looking for their first postseason appearance since all the way back in 2001. It's the longest in baseball. Wow. And um, I. I <laughs> I, I still don't think they will, but, you know, stranger things have happened. You know, I'm going to take it because they're carrying a four-game winning streak into this weekend series, and it's a three-game series versus the Angels at home. So I think they're, they've got and they've momentum, also, and they're in a good spot versus a team that they should be able to beat. And Joe Madden also has come out and said that Otani will not pitch. He was supposed to pitch either tomorrow or Sunday. I think it was Sunday, and he said, now he's shut down. We're, we're going to hit him. He will hit, but he's not going to pitch. So I think I'm going to leave it because the Yankees and Red Sox have been there before. Yankees are going to get in, and the Red Sox, um, I just think that uh, – there's more veterans that have have seen it before. I I don't know, man. It's crazy to see that uh, Seattle's in this spot, but it's great to see. Um, we should mention too that the Braves won last night, so they now are officially the NL East champs. So the National League is settled until we find out who the Cardinals are going to play. Uh, Philly's been eliminated. Braves win the East. Cardinals are the second wild card. We know the Dodgers uh, are in and the Giants are in, and they could be one of the others could be the wild card, and the other one's the division champs. That's still not done yet. Giants are up with uh, three to play, two games up, and um, the loser of that division then would face the Cardinals on Wednesday. Doesn't there you it, go. Doesn't it feel nice to be in a calm situation if you're a Cardinals fan, that they've already locked it up? You know that they're going to play next Wednesday. You know what their position is. It's kind of fun to have the drama down the stretch to the final game. Well, and the Cardinals have had that the past few years. But it's, it's also kind of nice to know where you stand. Well, I think if you're a Cardinal fan, what you're hoping is that you get a tie in the West and they have to play 163 in which – Dave Roberts, now he can change at any point he wants, obviously. But he said like 10 days ago, he said, if we have a one game in playoff um, and we're the wild card or if it goes to a tie, he said, we're, we're starting Max Scherzer in that game. So if you go to 163, they've got to, you know, hypothetically would throw Scherzer. He's out. And then you're looking at <clears throat> Bueller or Kershaw or Urias or, but it's not Max Scherzer and he's had their number. Uh, that's the only thing that concerns me more than anything of, of facing the Dodgers in a one game playoff. It's Max Scherzer. Let's get to some of your texts on the air comfort service text line, six, five, seven, eight, Oh, Emily, what do you got? From the 636, take it or leave it, we'll see another iconic homer in L.A. next week. The one Jack Clark hit in 85 is still one of my favorite Cardinal memories. I like the uh, the Aussie home run against the Dodgers, too. That was in St. Louis. The Jack Clark home run happened at Dodger Stadium. Um, these two teams have met a bunch in postseason play, two of the iconic franchises, probably two best in, in the National League. Um 
Boy, take it or leave it. Yeah, why not take it? Because Scherzer gave up some bombs the other day. He only went five and a third. So, yeah, why not? You think we'll have a Matt Adams moment? Could have a Matt Adams moment against Clayton Kershaw. That's right. It could be someone that we're not expecting stepping up big for the Cardinals. I Postseason play is so weird, man. Things happen. Um, but I, I just, the way this team is playing, I don't think anybody would want to face the Cardinals. And especially in a series, if you get, if it, win or take all, anything can happen in the one game. It's cliche, it's true, but in a series, as much as the Dodgers have that pitching, the Cardinals now with their bullpen to shorten games up, and their offense has been great now with 52 home runs in September. Uh, it's just a different team. It this is. isn't the team that we saw two months ago. I would not want to face the Cardinals. Me either. From the 314, take it or leave it, Carlson will be the playoff hero a la 2011 David Freeze. Carlson's a good pick, but I think if I was going to put money on someone, Dan, it would be Tyler O'Neill. Yeah, he would be the guy with the September that he's had and the 11 home runs and the way that he's playing. Um, I don't know, man. It'd be tough to bet against Nolan Arnato. <laughs> That's a good point. You know, or Paul Goldschmidt Paul for that Goldschmidt, matter. <laughs> yeah, two guys that have been dying to get there again and, and get in there. And they've been battle tested, if you will. Um, I, Nolan's had some great moments this year. But the icing on the cake, uh, the cherry on top would be a remarkable postseason run for Nolan Arenado. And you say, this is truly why you got this guy. Not only did he hit you, and, he, and, and that's something this weekend, that there's some individual milestones that are still available. So for Arenado, he's trying to hit his 35th home run, which would be the most home runs ever by a Cardinal third baseman in a single season. Goldie is two runs batted in, shy of 100. Um but the final icing on the cake would be Nolan Arnato going off for a month and saying, yep, that's why this reunion was perfect to bring him into St. Louis. He's a uh, transitional type player for a franchise. And when the money was uh, the, the, the stakes were the highest, he he came up and, uh, and, and delivered. That would be really cool to see. This is what he wanted. This is what he dreamed of. This is why he was trying to get out of Colorado so badly, because he wanted this postseason moment. And now he has it. Yep. The stage is set for him to have those heroic moments. From the 720, take it or leave it, DeWitt is shopping the Redbirds. Dan, I know that this was something that was discussed last night. Um, there have been reports that Mr. DeWitt's already made uh, a statement to Derek Gould saying that that wasn't true, but go ahead. Yeah, so <clears throat> yesterday on the radio game, Mike Shannon said, uh, word on the street, I'm paraphrasing, but word on the she- uh, street is that the DeWitt's are shopping the franchise. I think that's what he said. And obviously, Twitter went abuzz and people were talking about it. It went nuts. It's yeah. been addressed in the paper today with a comment um, or an article by Dan Caesar talking about Mike Shannon's final weekend. But the quote that was given to Derek Cool to the Post-Dispatch from President Bill DeWitt III was, quote, there is absolutely no truth to that comment whatsoever. Uh, and they addre- they came out and addressed that and put it to bed right away. You know, the thing that I always think about is that the, the baseball franchise is tied in with, at times, clearly success of what happens in Ballpark Village, which sure. obviously that ownership group owns, and it's in their best interest to put 
a product out there that fans want to come down and experience at the ballpark and then take that experience pregame or postgame to Ballpark Village. So um, I had not heard that. I can tell you I, I've been asked about it prior to Mike making those comments and had done my own little just digging on it. I had not heard that that was going to happen. Um, and I'll say this, as much as Mr. DeWitt, Bill DeWitt uh, Jr. loves baseball and understands this franchise and importance to the city, um, I, I just can't see that happening. I really don't. I, I, they love baseball. They're a baseball family. Um, and so I, I just I don't think it's going to happen. I very much appreciate them jumping out and giving that quote to Derek right away because obviously here in St. Louis, we are a little sensitive to rumors that a franchise may be shopped or that there may be a change in ownership after what happened with the Rams. And so I think that that put a lot of people at ease to know that that, that isn't the case. Well, I, I just think from a business perspective, again, there's just so much tied up in the development of what they've done to ball, with Ballpark Village and how much they've invested in that. So it's in the best interest to obviously put a good product as but as best you can within the whatever constraints you may have year after year, because people will go down and support this. Prior to COVID, they were averaging three, four coming down to the ballpark. Business-wise, business was awfully good. That's Danny Mack. I'm Michelle Smallman. It's Carriker and Smallman with Danny Mack here on 101 ESPN. And coming up next, we are going to go around baseball and get you up to date on the entire playoff picture. That's coming up next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. It's Danny Mac and Michelle Smallman on this Friday morning here on 101 ESPN. And the Cardinals have punched their ticket to the postseason. But, Dan, let's take a little bit of a look around baseball and see where all of the other teams stand up. Oh. But before we do that, that sounder means it's time for the second word in today's phrase that pays because 101 ESPN has your chance to win a pair of tickets to see the Cardinals take on the Cubs this Saturday night at Bush. Dan was talking about it earlier. This is a hot ticket. There's going to be a lot of people at the ballpark, so you want to pay attention because this is your chance to win. 30,000 fans ages 16 or older are going to take home their very own Paul Goldschmidt bobblehead, courtesy of Purina. You can get all the details for this weekend's Cards versus Cubs series at cardinals.com slash promotions. And the second word and the phrase that pays is big. It is big, and we're going to get the, the final word in the 9 o'clock hour, so listen throughout the show. Okay, Dan, where do you want to start? American League, National League, how do you want to do this? Uh, the bell takes me, uh, or the wheel, or whatever it is. <laughs> the wheel. The wheel. The wheel. Uh, let's uh, let's start National League. Let's start National League. Okay, right. well, the Braves locked up the the National League East, so they have punched their ticket. They clinched the division title. The Brewers obviously clinched the National League Central, and the Cardinals have secured that second wild card, and the battle for the National League West rages on with the Dodgers and the Giants. We're still waiting to see who, who finishes on top there and who the Cardinals are going to face next week. Hey, I think it's great. Um, and by the way, on Sunday, I mentioned this during the uh, – the broadcast yesterday on Valley Sports. I love what baseball did a few years ago, Michelle. Um, so the games, all games will start at roughly 2.15. They're supposed, you know, some teams might do 2.13. Others might do, <laughs> they're not all at exactly 2.15. They're scheduled to go at 2.15. Anyway, I love the fact that um, all the games start at the same time. I, I think it was really smart by baseball to do this because... Let's say you're a team 
and you're on the East Coast, and one of the teams that maybe you're battling with with a position in the playoffs to get in is on the West Coast, and you're thinking, well, we have to win East Coast team. Um, and let's just say the West Coast team has to win as well. And all of a sudden, if you're the East Coast team, I'm starting my number one. My ace has got to go because I got to win. And then they find out West Coast team is playing at three hours later and they see East Coast getting blown out. They say, oh, wait, we, our number one is lined up today. Not anymore. We're going to push him back and we got a bullpen start today. And then all of a sudden you go in into the, the playoffs and it's a different looking team because of how your pitching is lined up. So I love what they're doing there. I think we'll all be scoreboard watching potentially on Sunday and to see how that plays out. So again, what needs to happen is that there's three games to play. The Giants are up by two in the National League West and I would love to see those teams come out of this thing tied play a 163 use Max Scherzer he's out of the way and if you face the Dodgers in that one game playoff and then you're looking at somebody else not to say that it's easy because the Dodgers are loaded and they're a great team with unbelievable talent but I can't believe I would say this, and I don't know if fans agree and listeners agree. I think you want to take on the Dodgers in a one-game playoff as opposed to um, the Dodgers in a series. I think the Cardinals can beat the Giants straight up any which way. I really do. I think they can compete with them. I'm not... But seeing a five-game series in which you may have that lineup of pitching, starting pitching from the Dodgers would concern me in a longer series than more so just a one-gamer where anything could happen. And again, anything could happen where Max Scherzer goes out and throws a perfect game, too. I'm not saying that, but I think your, your, your chances are a little bit better in a longer series against San Francisco as opposed to what you may face with the Dodgers. I'm with you. If I have to pick my poison there, I want the Dodgers, even if it's Max Scherzer, which I know sounds insane because it's one game. realize I'm, I'm telling you and you need to get on board with me and okay. don't argue with me I'm sick okay. of the I arguments won't. okay I, I know right. we're in talk radio but you're always just yelling at me and in the breaks you're always yelling at I me. I know people don't know that how stern I am in the breaks you never do that but anyway <laughs> um you're great to work with so uh Max Scherzer I don't know if you feel the same way so when he was with Washington and the Cardinals would be matched up and Max Scherzer's getting his start against the Cardinals in spring training because they'd have to face each other all the time located next to each other in Washington and St. Louis down in Jupiter and West Palm I always felt like he was out there to show something extra to the Cardinals agreed like he was shoving like earlier this year we had a game and he was he was going and he was Michelle the guy was throwing 96 in February 28th or whatever it was I was like what is going on here ridiculous yeah he was unhittable and so I just think like he's always got something and maybe I'm looking into it because he's a St. Louis kid they didn't bring him here whatever I, I he just looks to shove against St. Louis and no bigger stage to do that in the playoffs and if you're the Cardinals you're looking at the way you played the Giants earlier in the season in July when you took two of three. You split you sure. split with the Dodgers. And in some of the games that you lost, I believe you had a chance to win. So you're not intimidated by either of those teams. But, Dan, even and the though— the way they're playing, I don't think they care. I agree. You play the 27 Yankees, and I think the Cardinals think they may win. That's right. And we know how lethal Max Scherzer is, but he was shaky in his last start. Five and a third, gave up some home runs. Yep. yep. Five, five earned runs. He struck out only four. He gave up two home runs. Dave Roberts was talking about his execution and how it needed to be better after the game. And 
I, I would like to see the, the Giants and the Dodgers have to play 163 because it's just a little bit more of an added advantage for the Cardinals. But if they don't and you're facing Max Scherzer, even though that seems like a, a pretty tough mountain to climb, given the way that the Cardinals are playing and the way that Max Scherzer was in his last outing and even the outing before that, I think it's favorable for the Cardinals. But the thing is, is I feel like the Giants have been underestimated all season. They continue to prove that they are a ball club that needs to be taken seriously. They've won over 100 games. And so I wonder if that's a bit of fool's gold when we're looking at this, if the Giants are, in fact, a team that we should be more afraid of. I don't know if I'm right in saying this. This is just a theory. Um, The Giants are legit. I mean, you don't win, what is it, 104 now and not be a really good team. Over 162 games, you're you're. You're as legit as it gets. The way that they play their games, Michelle, is that they have loaded up um, the usage of their bench and have interchangeable parts. So uh, with the exception of like Crawford and Posey, well, even Posey, but Crawford's going to play every day and they, they got everyday players. Don't get me wrong. But so you're you're the manager on the other side and they say, OK, uh, this lefty is coming in. No problem. Our next three guys, they're interchangeable. They're, we're going to go right-handed. We're going to we're going to counter you. And the one thing I look at with the Cardinals right now, and I keep going back to this, and it may be the reason as to why I think it's the reason why they got into postseason when we ultimately look and break down the season, was that they remade their bullpen. Now they also remade part of their starting rotation, but their bullpen was remade with McFarland and Garcia moving Reyes out of the closer spot, higher leverage in middle innings, multiple innings, and it gave them a chance to rest Cabrera and rest Gallegos and then moving Gallegos into a closer's role. And my point is, is that these guys, uh, the splits don't and I'm talking about recent splits don't jump off the the page where you say boy well I'll give you a good example like if it was Andrew Miller you'd say Andrew Miller against right-handed batters we we that's going to be a problem they've got six guys Cody Whitley as well that if you you want to counter with a lefty or righty it doesn't really matter they're going to get both sides of the plate out so if you want to mix and match throughout the five games if I'm Mike Schilt I'm like okay now, my, my problem may be the splits with a starter, but when we start getting into bullpen in a tight game, I feel really comfortable with all these guys facing righties or lefties. And that's where they were really able, the Giants, in one of the ways that they won. They won a multiple ways. Mm-hmm. And hopefully I'm explaining this well, but they were able to mix and match with their bench to counter what you were doing on the other side. And so you would run out of guys that are good against righties or vice versa. Like, it's just, you're like, uncle, man, these guys, <laughs> they keep throwing people at us and we don't have the the support deep enough bullpen to get through this. And now you can't say that about the Cardinals. They can mix and match and counter you with their bullpen because the splits uh, just don't jump off the page like they did maybe earlier in the year. And I I just think that could be a massive factor when you play um, the Giants. And it's a three-batter minimum. So guys got to stay in. And I'm like, okay, no problem. The Cardinals can handle that, and they that's can. that's a, a strength of their of their team. It absolutely is. Let's take a quick look at the American League. So the Tampa Bay Rays have clinched the AL East division title. The Chicago White Sox have locked up the Central. The Astros have locked up the West, and the Yankees are positioned in that first wild card. And the Red Sox and Mariners tied heading into this weekend. And that makes it so much fun, doesn't it? Doesn't it? And I think a lot of people are rooting for the Mariners sure. because they came out of nowhere. They haven't been to the playoffs, I think you mentioned, since 2001. And they're 
They're carrying a four-game winning streak into this weekend. It's a three-game series versus the Angels at home. Yes, and uh, I'll be watching. I, I, I think it's great. I think it's great for baseball when you have these underdogs. Giants would be one of them at the beginning of the year. So, like when the Giants got out to this start and they're leading, and I thought, well, that's a, that's a nice story. Yeah. You know, they're going to come back down to earth. Well, they never did. And no one in their right mind predicted the Giants to win the division. I mean, it was going to be the Dodgers and the Padres. The Padres now, I think, are either 26 or 27 back in their division and under 500. I That's heard you mention to... that on your show, I think, yesterday. And yes. I And I realized that they were far Thanks back. Thanks for listening. Yeah, of course, always. But when you mentioned that, I was driving and I went, what? They're that far back? That really, I because ha- I hadn't checked it in a while, and that really took me aback. I didn't realize that how far <clears> they had fallen. It's amazing. And uh, that is what is shocking. And that is the beauty of 162-game season is to see, like, if you would have said to me or anybody in St. Louis <clears throat> that the Padres after what they did against the Cardinals at Petco earlier this year, are not going to make the playoffs and that the Cardinals will sweep them later in the year and essentially put them out of postseason play. I said, you're out of your mind. (laughs) And that's what happened. So um, that's what makes, though, this weekend so much fun is that it's really must win for both Boston, the Yankees, Seattle, and it's the underdog story of the Mariners. No one expected them to be in this position. Uh, I don't know if you remember this, but their top prospect, remember there was a lot of talk of during the offseason, one of their top executives was on a Zoom call, and and he admitted by saying, hey, we're going to keep this kid down because of service time, which was unbelievable. I mean, you don't, if you're a fan, you're going, oh my God, I mean, they're really not trying to win here if they're not going to bring that kid up because he's the guy that they all felt, generally speaking. Now, in baseball terms, they made it felt truly he needed time to be seasoned. However, as a fan, you're going, this guy's got to be up. I've been watching him the last couple of years. He's our top prospect. He gives us a chance to win, and they're going to hold him back. That's how they started their year. And now to be in this position with three games to go to force potentially a playoff by winning out, that's really cool for baseball. It's a good thing to have. It is. That's Dan McLaughlin. I'm Michelle Smallman. We've talked a lot of baseball today. Let's talk some blues hockey. Coming up next, I'm excited about this. It's our first visit this season with Joey Vitale. He's next, so keep it here on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. It's Danny Mack and Michelle Smallman here on 101 ESPN. Let's head to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. I'm so excited about this. It's time for our very first visit of the season with Blues Analyst here on 101 ESPN, Joey Vitale. Joey, my friend, it's so good to talk to you. How have you been? Michelle, Dan, what's going on? Hey, things are things are great. I, I have missed you guys. I've missed these conversations. I'm glad we're talking Blues hockey all over again. It's a great time to be a St. Louis Blues fan and St. Louis fan in general with the Cardinals. But I'm doing very well, Michelle. I appreciate it. It's actually National Coffee Day, International Coffee Day, which I just found out about. As I went to my coffee house, I got my nice uh, decaf coffee, and they give you a fresh, fresh bag of beans. So I'm really grateful. Whoa, I'm trying to whoa, start my day off. Whoa, 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 whoa. I'm grateful for coffee. Hold on, hold on, Joey. It's Dan. Uh, <laughs> by the way, great Hi, to Dan. hear your voice. Uh, great to hear your voice, and thanks for your text uh, a few weeks ago. Always fun catching up with you. Um, if you're gonna drink coffee, why are you doing decaf? Yeah, Joey, this is so disappointing. What's up with that? Well, you know, funny enough, so decaf actually has caffeine in it. So that's like one of the big one of the big bugaboos about coffee. People don't realize. So there is a limited amount of caffeine, 
And you know what? I just so much energy of all the kids I have. That's kind of my energy pickup as it is. And I try not to do it over and over. So I, I, I justify by having decaf about six to seven cups of that a day instead of six to seven cups of caffeine because that was throwing my sleep cycle way out of whack. So you, you guys have another kid coming, right? We just had our fifth. We, we welcomed just, our fifth. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Congratulations. Thank you. Baby Shepherd. Uh, we, we welcomed him about seven weeks ago. We're actually getting him good with God tomorrow. We're getting him baptized. Nice. We actually have my second youngest getting baptized as well. We never got her baptized because of COVID. So we're getting two kids good with God tomorrow. Uh, it'll be a great day. Uh, we let the kids name Shepherd. Uh, we had our four, and we're like, you know what? I'm kind of running out of names on the fifth one. What do you kids think? And they threw out a bunch of them. We, we threw out a bunch of vetoes, and we, we settled on Shepherd. So we're excited. Now, you are uh, uh, quite the Italian, uh, Joey, as we all know. And do you think it's bad when you just said, uh, we're going to baptize my kids that I just had immediate flashbacks to Espiritu Sante, and all of a sudden, <laughs> you know, I'm starting to think Godfather here? I hope it's not going to be a Godfather scene. Listen, everyone will wear black tomorrow. Okay, that's mandatory. So, okay. so yes, absolutely right. I don't, I don't need the other stuff, though. No, 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 not the other stuff. Okay, good. No, no, just the black. We're going to wear black, and yes, you're right. We we never we never say it in English. We never say Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. We say no one apology, feel the Spirit to Santi. Ever ever since my nana, we always baptize in the name of the Italian God, which is different than the American God, as everyone knows. So uh, it's going to be a great day. We got pasta, spaghetti, chicken piccata. It's going to be a great feast afterwards, and we're uh, we're excited. Well, I don't need you uh, settling all family debt. That's all, that's all I'm saying. <laughs> you know, <laughs> no, no, none of that happens at this Vitaly household, Dan. I should assure you that. I, you're too nice of a guy. I, I can only imagine. I love that. We have a lot of blues questions for you, Joy. But before <laughs> we get to that, can you give me one of the names your kids presented that you and your wife vetoed for Baby Shepherd? Easy carpet. <laughs> carpet. Carpet. I asked my son, what do you think? He's like, I like carpet. I was like, is that right? He's like, well, yeah, because it's everywhere. You see it all the time. So every time you see a carpet, you'll think of you'll think of him, Dad. And I was like, well, that's a really good – actually, it makes a ton of sense. Yeah. Um, we're not going to go with it, but I really like where your head's at. And uh, we had a good laugh about it. And But that was the one that – that was a sure veto right across the table. There was no argument. It was unanimous. Veto carpet, so it's not going to be carpet Vitaly. But maybe that could be Shepard's nickname as carpet. Maybe, maybe one day we'll see. I hope not. But hopefully. <laughs> what are the uh, ages of your kids now? What's the age ranges? Uh, 10, 10, 8, 6, uh, let's see here, 1, and a newborn. And I asked my wife the other day about number six, and I thought she was going to cut my head off. So yeah. I, think, I think we're good. I think we're good with five. Well, you we're might get something else good. cut. You know, you, well, you know, I got that coming up next week. Uh, but saying. I had that done once. I had that done once, and I actually got it reversed. So it actually is reversible, so it's not necessarily oh. permanent. That's oh, my God. Story. You did we that? We don't have a ton of time. We don't have a ton of time. I got a cut. I got it reversed. Talk oh. about the process. Not to mention, not to mention, I know we don't have a ton of time, but when I went to get my reversal, they got me on the bed. I'm in my scrubs. I'm kind of getting a little anxious. The nurse tells me, it's a six-hour procedure, which I didn't ask the right questions heading into this thing. I think I would have backed out. So I'm really anxious. Uh-huh. I'm really nervous. My wife senses it. My hands are getting all clammy. And then all of a sudden, the curtain opens, and it's, and it's this lady. And she says, hey, Joey. And I said, oh, hi. She goes, I'm your scrub nurse for the next procedure. I go, okay. And she says, you don't know me, do you? And I said, I don't think so. She goes, my name's Donna McCarthy, and I, I belong to your parish. I go to St. Peter, and my kids go to school with your kids. And this lady's going to be my scrub nurse for the next six hours. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, yeah. So I, 
So I literally like, oh, my God. My wife's thinking like, oh, my God, we never met this lady. She's a huge part of our parish, and she's going to be my husband's scrum nurse while she examines and, and is a part of, you know, his, his special spot for the next six hours. Imagine the wine nights. Imagine the St. Peter wine nights moving no forward. I mean, I, I, That's I right. can't imagine. Oh, my God. That's an intimate relationship you quickly developed, Joey. We go down a lot of rabbit holes in these visits, man. We do. We do. You. That's why Joey's the best. Okay, Joey. We, oh, people, my God. People are loving this, but we need to get to some blues hockey before we let you go. So far in this preseason and training camp, who has caught your eye? Who have you been impressed by? I like James Neal a lot. I'm a little biased. I play with James in Pittsburgh, so I, I know what it's like being in the locker room with him. He's just a competitive guy. Like, you think about blues hockey, right? You think about Ryan O'Reilly and David Prawn, and what is Craig Blue looking for? He's just looking for a competitive guy. That's like for Jake. If I'm Jake Neighbors' agent, or or I'm Jake Wallman's father, or you know, if I'm if I'm Perunovich's cousin, and I'm in touch with these guys, what do you need to do? Just go be competitive. Be heavy on pucks. Don't don't let those pucks be easily taken away from you. If someone's got it, get the, get engage that ab, engage those abs, get your core tight, and just be strong on pucks and just be competitive. I mean, really. That's what it is. And James, I know he has been one of the most competitive guys I've ever played with. And we're starting to see that, you know, and in, in starting to manufacture into, into points. He got a hat trick in the first game. No points in that second game there in Columbus, which we called in Columbus the other day with curves. But I tell you what, their line had the most chances. I liked him with Robert Thomas and Jordan Cairo. He's got veteran experience. He's been in the cup finals twice. He's hungry. He wants that cup. So I think it could be a really good situation where Doug Armstrong can sign him for the league minimum because he's still getting bought out by his previous club. So I've liked him a lot. I've loved Scott Prunovich. Young kid, wins a Hobie Baker, a great Minnesota kid. Spending time in Minnesota Duluth. I think he's going to need some seasoning in the minors. I think he will go to the American Hockey League. But he moves a lot like Quinn Hughes. Watch him when he plays. His hips kind of open up. He's kind of cornered like, like a dog in the corner. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, he just escapes it. Because his hips are so elusive where the puck will go one way and his hips will go another way. And they teach you as a defenseman, always watch the guy's hips, right? Always keep an eye on the hips. Same thing in football, right? When you have a running back coming at you, if you're a linebacker or a defensive lineman, Always look at hips. Don't don't get fixated on the head or the ball because the hips w- won't lie, right? Perunovich has got this thing where, like Quinn Hughes, his hips will actually swivel, but he actually moves in a different direction, which really like, loses a lot of forwards. So that's a really cool thing. I'm excited to see Scott Perunovich. Uh, Jordan Cairo, I think he's ready. I think he's ready for this top line with David Perron and Ryan O'Reilly. So to me, those are a few right out of the gates, Michelle, that really have jumped out at me. So uh, for fans then, Joey, what are the final battles if those have been uh, figured out yet? I, I would assume you have a better idea now and still anything can happen, but what are those battles that maybe for a roster spot that fans should be watching for? You know, I think the biggest, uh, the biggest thing right now is – who is going to eat up and who is going to take control of that left wing third line. That to me is the vacated, vacated spot. There's a lot of pieces that could go there, right? Could it be, could it be a Clem Costin? Could it be an Ivan Barbashev that jumps up from the fourth line to the third line? You know, what will Logan Brown do? We've seen him in one game. I'd love to look very good. Does he kind of take over that spot or do they sign like a pro leak or a James Neal? But there is that left wing spot kind of on that second hybrid third line where they're going to try to find a spot for. Uh, keep in mind, Oscar Sundquist will be back within a month or so, maybe four to six weeks. We will have him back to kind of anchor that fourth line and possibly third line. So that's number one, Dan, left wing, third line. And then who's going to, who's going to take advantage of that bottom left, left defensive shot, right? You know, you got, uh, of course, you got Scandella and Tori Krug on the top two, top two pairs right there. And then it's up for grabs on the bottom one. Is it going to be Jake Wallman? Will Scott Prudovich, after he has a little stint in the American League, take full advantage of that spot? 
does Nico Mikula come in there and slide in as a regular? So those are the two, the two main spots that I think are really uh, up for grabs and what Blues fans can kind of keep an eye on. But uh, one of my wild card sleeper people that really just you, you want to have a good start is, is actually Billy Huso. Mm. I think it's going to do so much for Bennington. Every goal, every goaltending strength uh, team in the league. I look at I look at the duo, right? You got to have a good a good back and forth. I mean, look at Jake Allen and Jordan Bennington back in 2019. Just two steady goaltenders that push each other in practice. You know, it's one of those things where the backup comes in, posts a shutout, and then the starters in the next night are like, man, whatever he can do, I got to do it better, right? So it's that inner team competition which is going to be important. And not to mention, when Bennington's off. He can fully take a break off, right? You know how it is, Dan, with pitching. Like, you, you want to be able to just rest your bullpen and know that the guy on the mound is going to take full advantage so I can just mentally and emotionally just detach from the game. And at times when you don't have a strong backup, the starter can't emotionally detach from the game. They can't ever get a break. So I think Billy coming in and having a good start like he finished last year. He played terrific last year as a backup. If he can do that, I think Jordan Bennington will find his kind of confidence um, that, he, that he found back from 2019, good composure, and go out there and do what he can do. Joey, last thing from us, I wanted to ask you, of course, about Vladimir Tarasenko, which is a big question always, because he and the Blues both wanted a divorce. They weren't able to, to find a dance partner. Doug Armstrong wasn't. But Vladdy has said he doesn't want to be a distraction and that he's motivated and he's going to need to play to a certain level. He's going to have to showcase what he's got if he does want to, in fact, carve the path out of St. Louis. So what are the expectations that we should have for Vladdy as he enters this season from a production you know, Michelle, standpoint? Yeah, I think it's going to be. A, I think it's a good question. I think it's going to be interesting to see how this whole thing evolves. Uh, you know, I talked to Ivan Barbashev about this on the plane ride home from Columbus. You know, it's funny we were we were on the back row, uh, just kind of doing our thing, and Keith Kachuk comes back and chats to us for a bit. You know, the Hall of Famers and Al McGinnis. It just first of all, it's just great being back on the plane, and then player. You know, players. I think missed us as much as we missed them because they just kind of missed the camaraderie. So Ivan Barbashev was up there talking. And I just flat out asked him, I said, "Hey, Barbie, how's how's Vladdy doing?" And he said he's doing great. And there was no phoniness about it. He goes, "You know, listen, this is hockey." This is hockey. This is what happens. This got kind of blown out of proportion, maybe a little bit blown out of control. Maybe, maybe if Vladdy could do it all over again, maybe, maybe would have done it a little differently. Maybe his agent would have done it a little differently, possibly. But the reality is that people ask for trades all the time. There's a handful of guys in the Blues uh, roster right now that want to get, want to get out, but no one knows about it, right? So it is, it is part of hockey. It is part of the game. Moving forward, what will it look like this year, Michelle? To answer your question, I think the biggest thing we're going to see that's going to look a little bit different. I think that the leash is going to be a little bit tighter on Vladdy. Now, what do I mean by that? Sometimes Vladdy would go out there, he'd turn the puck over, maybe he'd have a little bad body language coming back to the bench. He's a competitor. That's just what he does, right? And there's nothing wrong with that. But I think this year will be a little different. Where in the past, you know, I think maybe Craig Brube would just go right back to him and try to get him going, try to get his confidence going. If, if he has that body language or you sense the frustration or if he's kind of like losing it a little bit, I think that's where Craig maybe has that tighter leash where he just kind of sits him, or maybe he doesn't get a shot back on the first power play come five, six minutes later in the game. So that, that to me, again, it's going to be interesting to see, but based off everything that happened this summer, I just don't know if that consistently just keep putting them out no matter what approach from Craig Ruby is what we're going to see uh, out of number 91 this season. Great stuff from Joy Vitale. You're going to hear him on the call Blues versus the Blackhawks tonight here on 101 ESPN with pregame starting at 630. Joey, great to chat with you and I'm so happy that we're doing this again. And by the way, have a great celebration this weekend as you get your kids right with God. I love that. God bless you guys. 
Hey, can't wait. Thanks, Michelle. I appreciate Dan. Uh, good luck on the rest of the calls and look forward to these chats every week. And you guys have a great weekend. Thanks, Joey. We'll talk to you next week. That's Joey Vitale here on 101 ESPN. And we actually knew that it was International Coffee Day or National Coffee Day prior to Joey mentioning it because we want to give a quick shout out to La Meridian and Clayton. They dropped off some coffee and some treats for us and they're giving away affogados and coffee flavored gelatos. So be sure to pop in there if you're in the neighborhood and get some coffee. Coming up next, though, it's the fight. Dan is going to take on one of our listeners. He's filling in for Randy. That's next on 101. On ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Welcome to the fight on Character and Smallman. In the red corner, average Joe listener. And in the blue corner, the undisputed king of Morning Drive. Please welcome Randy Character. Carriker and Smallman on this Friday on 101 ESPN. No Randy Carriker, which is probably good news for John, who's our fighter today, except he has to face Danny Mac, who knows everything. So it's not really a reprieve. But it is Michelle Smallman and Danny Mac here with you on 101 ESPN, and it is time for the fight. It's 841. That time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Good morning, John. How are you? Good morning, Michelle. How are you? I'm great. I'm doing great. It's a Friday. Things are rolling with the Cardinals. We're talking postseason baseball. It doesn't get much better than this. No, Blues are coming, too. That's right. The Blues are coming. And, John, I think initially, if you're competing in the fight, you think, oh, no, Randy Carricker. Okay, maybe I have a shot at this. But then you realize you have to take on Danny Mack, who is like Mega Mind Volume 2. Michelle, I jumped in the car this morning, and I was uh, I texted Emily. I was hoping I was going to go against Randy because I like the fact that Danny actually roots for the other guy. So that was kind of my mindset this morning. I forgot Randy was out of town. That's right. Well, don't worry, John. I'm rooting for you. I know Emily is rooting for you. So you at least have two people in your corner. Yeah, I'm rooting for you, John. Thanks, Thanks guys. All right, John. Well, good luck to you, okay? Question number one. Happy 58th birthday to Cardinals legend and our favorite here on Character and Smallman, Mark McGuire. Big Mac, of course, hit 70 home runs in the 1998 season, the most home runs that he hit in a single season. In which season did he hit his second highest amount of home runs, which was 65? Was it 1996, 1997, or 1999? 96. Happy 36th birthday to two-time World Series champion Matt Kane. Kane pitched the 22nd perfect game in big league history on June 13th, 2012, against which team? Was it the Dodgers, the Padres, or the Astros? Total shot in the dark. Let's go with the Dodgers. You don't remember when Matt Cain pitched that perfect game on June 13th, 2012? Come on, John. Come on. Uh, I'm lost. Sorry. It's all right. I'm just giving you a hard time. I wouldn't have known it either. On this day in 2004, Ichiro Suzuki got his 258th hit of the season, breaking whose 84-year-old Major League Baseball single-season record? Was it Lefty O'Doul, George Sisler, or Bill Terry? Let's go with Sisler. And which now-rostered Cardinal was the last to lead the American League or National League in home runs? Was it Paul Goldschmidt? Paul DeYoung or Nolan Arenado? Nolan Arenado. All right, checking our score. Emily's going to wave in Dan. So, John, I'm going to now do my best Danny Mac impression. What do you do for a living, John? 
uh, retired police officer. I work over at Laura Buick GMC in Collinsville. Awesome. Well, thank you for your for your work in the service and the police service. Um, Dan, did I do a pretty good Danny Mac asking John what he did for oh, a did living? Oh, did you do that? I, I was said, just John, walking in. What do you do for a living? And I what tried... does he do for a living? John, go ahead. You can tell Dan. I'm a retired police officer, and I work over at Laura Buick GMC in Sale. Awesome. Thank you for your uh, your great service to our community. I appreciate that. You got it. I tried to sound very smooth and professional like you do, Dan. What do you do for a living? Well, you do it very well. You're a great host, talk show host. You should be doing this uh, for a living. And Well, what the hell you are. Well, that's right, Dan. Thank you. Now, do I get options? or It's I... up to you. You can have them if you'd like, or you could do it Randy style, or I could read the question, and then you could determine if you want the options or whatever you want to do, Dan. Uh... I, I, Danny, I don't feel good about this. Why? I, I don't feel good on the on my answer, so maybe you should just do it Randy style. <laughs> All right, we'll do it Randy style. Let's do it. Okay. Question number one for Danny Mac. Happy 58th birthday to Cardinals legend Mark McGuire. Happy birthday, Big Mac. Happy birthday to Big Mac. He, of course, hit 70 home runs in the 1998 season, the most home runs that he hit in a single season. In which season did he hit his second highest amount of home runs, which was 65? Well, I do talk about it a lot because 98 was the summer of 70, and I think that his acquisition is still has a major impact on what we are experiencing now in St. Louis because the place would get packed, and he hit 70 in 98. He hit 65 in 1999, and the place was packed in 99. And then, not that the novelty was worn off, but uh, the team went out and said, hey, we need to like put a team around him and people want to see some winning, not just home runs. So uh, 65 in 1999. Happy 36th birthday to two-time World Series champion Matt Kane. All right. Kane pitched the 22nd perfect game in big league history on June 13th, 2012 against which team? The uh, Houston Astros. I remember it was a terrible team. They won like... I don't know, 57 games or something that year. That was when they were tanking and trying to get the first pick all the time. And I remember Gregor Blanco making one of the greatest catches I've ever seen with the game on the line. In center field, he made an unbelievable play. It was it at, at that time, AT&T Park, but it was an unbelievable play. And uh, so it was the Houston Astros. There's always one play. Yeah. Always one play, no doubt. Or maybe a missed call like what happened with Carlos Beltran that doubled down the line on Johan Santana. But whatever, mm-hmm. I digress. Mm-hmm. All right, I'm going Astros. Okay. On this day in 2004, Ichiro Suzuki got his 258th hit of the season, breaking who's 84-year-old Major League Baseball single-season record? Talked about this a lot, too, it is uh, George Sisler. George Sisler played for the St. Louis Browns and uh, – See, I'm doing it like Randy style, doing like a little side story about this stuff. I love it. So when um, Ichiro broke the record, and I knew about this because the All-Star game was in 2009 here in St. Louis, and um, he actually went and visited the gravesite of George Sisler. So he brought his wife and kids, I believe. It's DePere Presbyterian Church Cemetery. Why I remember this, I don't know. But in 2009, I remember how cool is that, that Ichiro went and delivered flowers to the gravesite of George Sisler. And the reason that he did that is that when Ichiro broke his record, Ichiro's daughter was, or I'm sorry, uh, Sisler's daughter was like um, in her 80s and actually flew out to Seattle 
to see the record broken by Ichiro. How cool is that? That's amazing. And so he returned the, the favor, the gesture, by visiting his gravesite and paying his respects to George Sisler, the former St. Louis Brown. Love that That's story, That's my, my guess. And I probably gave all that background, and I'm wrong. <laughs> but it, it's a neat story. It is. It really is. Last question. Which now-rostered Cardinal was the last to lead the American League or National League in home runs? That would be, it uh, wasn't Goldie, it was uh, Arenado. He had 42 one year. And I remember that because I remember when he when they acquired him of going through like his um, eight-time gold glover, he's done this, he's done that. And oh, by the way, he led the league in home runs one year, which was, I believe, 42 he hit with the Rockies. And he's at 34 right now. So I'll go Nolan Arenado with uh, that answer. Nolan, I, hopefully I'm right. Emily, go ahead. Ring that bell. Go crazy, folks. Go crazy. The winner and still champion of the fight, Randy Carricker. The fight sponsored by Ryan Kelly and HeroLoan.com. Check out how they help veterans and service members at the new and improved HeroLoan.com. And I'm not going to say just win, baby. I'm, don't play that thing. Are you going to yell all I do is win, win, win? Nope, not doing it. No I, celebrations? Uh, He's no. not kissing the sky either like Randy, which nope. I appreciate. It's like a Tyler O'Neill home run. You just circle the bases with your head down, and you, you act like you've done it before. And you run those bases quickly. That's right. Act That's like right. you've been there. Act like you've done it before. And I'm sorry, John, that uh, this happened. I'm sorry, John. Well, it, was, it was a great fight out of you. But, you know, Danny Mac, four baseball questions. You know what's going to happen. I'm sorry. Well, there's several text messages coming in from the Jefferson County police officers and guys at the dealership that are all talking trash already. I can't wait to get inside. I'm sorry, man. I, I should have right, thrown it. You guys have a great weekend. Okay. Thanks for listening, right. John. Thanks for playing. Let's reveal the answers really quickly. So the season that Mark McGuire hit his second highest amount of home runs, which was 65, was in 1999. Matt Cain pitched the 22nd perfect game in big league history on June 13th, 2012 versus the Astros. Ichiro got his 258th hit on this day in 2004, breaking George Sisler's record of 257. And Nolan Arenado, the now rostered Cardinal, was the last to lead the A. Or NL in home runs. Was he it led, 42 or 43? 38. He led the National League with 38 uh, in 2018. But he's had 40 plus seasons, so it wasn't that year. So I was kind of technically wrong. This was just the last time that he did it. Oh, okay. The last time. All right. So great job, Dan. You did an, an excellent job on the fight today. Well, thank you very much. All right. Well, come in. Feel badly. Don't about feel badly. Right. Don't, you know, you just, you're too good. It's. No, it's, I, it should be, I should get like something not baseball. I love baseball, so I, I study, I read books, I retain that stuff. But this is the baseball town, you know? You that, that is true. a lot of baseball questions. That is true. All that, right. That's Danny Mac. I'm Michelle Smallman coming Sorry, up next. John. We're going to talk to comedian Sam Murrell, who's, <laughs> who's in town this weekend. We're going to talk to Sam next here on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. <laughs> Michelle Smallman on this Friday morning on 101 ESPN. We're doing a little bit of an audible because Sam Marill is not in house yet, Dan. Come on, Sam. I think he's having trouble finding the building, which I understand. Yeah. Because there's a lot of stuff happening where we are. Actually, I've done that before. Before I was a uh, member of the staff, 
Uh, well, actually, I was a member of the staff, but I would only call in. So I was never in studio. And yeah. one time they wanted me um, to come in, and I said, absolutely, I'll be in. And then I was late because I couldn't find it. <laughs> and it really shouldn't be that hard because once you find it, it's so easy, and you're like, I'm an idiot. And um, and that's how I felt. I was an idiot. But I'm not calling Sam an idiot because it's kind of hard to find. So you follow me there? I'm following you. Okay. and. I don't think it, that you're an idiot for not being able to find it because my first time here, I couldn't find it either. Yes. It's very difficult. We're yes. kind of tucked back in city place. Exactly. So we're going to audible here and it's time for your killing me smalls. The remix too. I love it. Wrong, I put the wrong thing in. Hold on one. All right. Hang uh, on. Hang on. It's uh, the remix. Fire the sponsorship. Hold on one second. All right. Fire it. Fire it. Fire it. Here we go. I promise it's going to be awesome when it happens. You're killing me, Smalls. Just wait for it. Here we go. What's totally killing Smalls right now? You're killing me, Smalls. You're killing me, Smalls, with Michelle Smallman on 101 ESPN. Brought to you by BMW of West St. Louis. They sell the most so you can save the most. Yeah, have to get that shout out in. BMW of West St. Louis. All right, well, it is time for... Are you going to... You're killing me, Smalls. Good timing, Dan. Thank you. Uh, Dan, are you a big Kenny Chesney fan? I am. I love him. Do you? Okay. Yeah. I love all different types of music. Um, if I'm going to... Would he be under the country label of... Uh, he's a country star, right? I yeah, mean, I that's don't know. A, I wouldn't put him under the rock label, that's no, for sure. But I mean, there's like a lot of uh, mainstream people, I think, that enjoy Kenny uh, Kenny Chesney. And so, yeah, I uh, I enjoy him, but I enjoy all types of music. But uh, to your point and your question, do I enjoy Kenny Chesney? Yes, I do. Okay, well, you'll love this story then. Do I, you? I do. I love okay. country music, especially... Right. This is weird. Uh, especially in the summertime. I don't know what it is about yeah. country music in summertime, being on a boat, windows yeah. down. It's great. That's kind of what he's all about. No doubt. No doubt. All right. Well, he is a big time, lifelong Tennessee Volunteers fan. And he recently appeared on the Paul Feinbaum show to talk about his college football fandom and how he doesn't have an NFL team that he roots for. So he puts all his energy into the balls. But he says that he is such a Volunteers football fan that he actually plans his tours around SEC football. (laughs) He says, we always end our tour right before the football season because I refuse to work during football season for two reasons. I want to watch the games and I don't want to compete with SEC football. There's no way that I'm going to do it. And I thought that that was an incredible revelation from Kenny Chesney to have the self-awareness to understand what your key demographic is and the fact that no matter how big you are, you're not bigger than SEC football. I would say this though. I'm curious what you think. I think if they said, hey, Kenny Chesney is coming to Tuscaloosa, Alabama, and um, he's going to be on a Saturday night as opposed uh, to an Alabama football game. I still think, though, he would sell it out. I still do. I think there'd be enough people that would go. Now, they may be all watching their phone, listening to him play music, but he is so popular and does such a great live show. I still think he's not giving himself enough credit. And really, I think he's putting the blame on SEC. It's a backhanded compliment by saying that they're all going to go to the football games. But he's so big and so popular, I still think he would sell it out. And really what I think he's trying to do is say, that's my excuse for not touring in the fall because really I want to watch football. See, I don't that know. That would be the way I take it. I don't know because people miss their own children's weddings in SEC country yeah, to watch point. football. 
all. So if you're going to miss your daughter's wedding so you can watch Roll Damn isn't Tide. That, isn't that insane? It's nuts. But you're certainly not going to Kenny Chesney. If you're going to miss your child, if you're going to not walk your daughter down the aisle, you're not going to Kenny Chesney if Alabama's playing. Do you think it's bad that I, uh, during... <laughs> this is a separate question. Okay, and I'm, as it. a young lady that has been to many weddings here recently, that you're in that age group where all your friends get married, yeah. you may get married, whatever. I don't want to go personal life here. I just now I'm going down a hole that I, I don't need to go down. But I love anyway, it. I love it. So I said at the rehearsal dinner, you know, I'm supposed to give like a little speech at or whatever. At your wedding. Yes. Um, and the rehearsal dinner is put on by the the. The groom, right? I think I'm getting this right. Yeah, and then you are. The, okay, right. yeah, that's what I did. And uh, and so all the people are there, you know, the the groomsmen and all that stuff, and my father-in-law, who is like my best friend, and I love him to death. He's just an amazing man, and I just the guy's the the greatest. And so here I am. He is he himself is the father of four, three boys, and his only daughter. And here I am going to marry his only daughter, who is. If Libby's listening, you're smoking hot and just beautiful. I love her. And so um, (laughs) she's the best. I mean, mother of my kids, great mom, all that stuff. Didn't know it at the time, but yeah, she turned into a great mom. Like I said, I'm going all these different tangents. But the point of the story is I said, uh, and Mr. Mooney, and that's it. I said, I'm so excited that, you know, we're, we're here in this union and blah, blah, blah. And I said, I'd really, I, I just, the, mo- the, the most important thing I want to say is uh, thank you so much for paying for the first of my three weddings. <laughs> now, I thought it was a funny line, okay? I think it's good. And he thought it was a funny line. He was dying. He's like, oh, that's great. Now, everybody else in there was like aghast. Really? Yeah, and I thought it was a good line. I it thought is. it was funny. It is a good line. You know, I mean... I, clearly you're joking. Of course I'm joking. Hopeful. Joking. And <laughs> in today's world, you never know, Dad. That's right. Could be and, accurate. But this is a long time ago, and I mean, people are like, man, afterwards, I can't believe you said that. Come on. Have a little sense of humor. And he thought it was funny, and that's all that matters. That is all that matters. And right. I I appreciate you for taking a risk there. And not it was just a saying big risk. thank you everyone for coming, blah, no, blah, blah. No, no, no. I, I turned it into a roast a little bit. <laughs> Myself, everybody that was there. That it was sounds, great. That sounds like a good time. You know, whatever. So you don't think that's bad? No, I think it's hilarious. Okay, good. I would have laughed. We started this thing on Kenny Chesney. And we got to you saying thank you for paying for the first of my three weddings, which is awesome. I love it. Uh, I thought it was good, but maybe not. I'm no. sure our listeners are going to light me up and say I'm a bad person, which is fine. No, they're going to say, I'll be Dan, all right. Dan, so knowledgeable about baseball, so great on the call, sneaky, hilarious. I thought it was really good. Dan is I really was funny. really proud of that line. And uh, yeah, privately, I'll let it rip and I just have turned <laughs> things into a roast. But um, yeah, that, that wasn't great. All right. Well, speaking of music, Dan, it was revealed who is going to be in the halftime show of the Super Bowl this year. It's going to be adorable. At, adorbs. It's going to be at SoFi Stadium in LA. Yeah. But Pepsi, the NFL, and Rock Nation announced the lineup. It's Dr. Dre, Love Snoop it. Dogg, Great. Eminem, Great. Mary J. Blige, and Kendrick okay. Lamar. They're going to be the halftime performers at the Pepsi Super Bowl halftime show on February 13th. Oh, I'm in on that one. Are you? I love Dre. I love Snoop, and I love Eminem. Have you ever seen, we talked about this, the documentary with Dr. Dre? Yes. And... Jimmy Iovine. Oh my God! What's the name of it? Like, hold on. Uh, the not, I always want to say the Untouchables. But, um, it's the um, uh, defiant, defiant ones. Defiant ones. Yeah, that's it. So good. 
I so would say good. if you are into music and if you're into just great stories of self-made people, um, it is worth your time to, to watch that. It, you know, Jimmy is doing like stuff with the Stones and the Beatles and John Lennon. Bruce Springsteen. Bruce Springsteen, all these different acts. You two, he's producing them. And then all of a sudden he gets tied in with Dr. Dre. Dr. Dre talks about how he found this guy Eminem when Dr. Dre's career was on the ropes. And it all comes together. And then they start beats by Dre and they make a billion dollars and it's just a fascinating uh, documentary and so maybe to see those three all together is the thing I'm looking forward to the most having watched that and having an understanding um, behind the scenes uh, like NWA and all that kind of stuff that was like old school when I was growing up and um, I, I just yeah I like that I think that's gonna be cool I you know here's the interesting thing I, I find and, and you probably would understand this a lot better than I would. But when when these acts go on the Super Bowl, I can't imagine what their downloads and what the, the oh, money yeah. that it generates for them. And really, it would put those three back on the national stage again and the national scene and the national talk. And, hey, who are these guys? And maybe introduce them to a different generation of fans that enjoy that type of music, I would assume. Oh, yeah. And it's cool because for... Obviously, Snoop Dogg and Dr. Dre and Kendrick Lamar. It's a homecoming. West, yeah. West Coast rap. So right. I, think, I think it was a great selection. All right. That's Danny Mac. I'm Michelle Smallman. That was your killer. By the way, smells. what's the best uh, halftime act that you've seen that you like? I mean, personally, I don't think it'll ever get better for a young Michelle than Britney Spears, NSYNC, Nelly, and Aerosmith. It's a good one. Um, I think Purple, when he did Purple Rain... And Prince was, uh, and it started raining at the Super Bowl. Pretty good. That was pretty good. That was pretty darn good. Pretty yeah. good. He was really good. That was. That's Andy Mack. I'm Michelle Smallman. That's your Killing Me Smalls. Coming up next, the Cardinals get another victory last night. We're going to talk about that next here on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. <laughs> Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN with Danny Mac. No Carriker, but it's Danny Mac and Michelle Smallman here with you. And Dan, the Cardinals get in the win column again yesterday. They defeat the Brewers four to three. And as they head into the weekend, uh, this final series versus the Cubs. Yes, ma'am. What are you looking for in this Cardinals team? What are some things that you need to get some answers to before that playoff game next week? Okay, number one would be health. Just come out of the three days. Don't have a hit batter like Edmundo Sosa. That leads me into the things that I'm thinking about in no particular order. Order. Michelle, I think there's three guy, four guys I really want to see uh, come out of the weekend, whether it's just playing or uh, what they look like. And it'll start with Dakota Hudson tonight. So he gets a start tonight. Let's just say that you win that that play in game. Does Dakota Hudson show you enough that maybe he is your game one starter in that next series or get to start in the next series? Or does he go to the bullpen? I think that's a question that needs to be answered. Jack Flaherty, what does he look like coming out of the bullpen? Is he a guy that you want to add to your roster? He's not going to be a starter, but is he a bullpen guy that if you need a lockdown inning that you're seeing enough of the sharpness, the velocity, his recovery that you add him to a postseason roster. So I think that would be something that I'd keep a close eye on. The other thing, and it's real obvious on these two, Edmundo Sosa, 
hit by the pitch last weekend at Wrigley. Um, does he play tonight, tomorrow, Sunday? And how does he look? Can he swing the bat? Can he throw the baseball? Can he do those different things? I was at the ballpark early uh, yesterday, and he was taking ground balls and just flipping to second, you know, like as if it was a double play. I didn't see him throw. I wasn't paying close enough attention to that. But just the grip of the bat, those kind of things. And then getting Yachty back in there um, and seeing him get a few innings, I, I think that would be something I'm I'm looking at. I, I, I would imagine that this is a real easy decision, and maybe I'm looking too far into this. But does Wayno want an inning or two just to kind of stay on turn and the things that he does to to, to keep them – the uh, the the way that he's thrown. I, I mentioned this earlier. A lot of times, if he gets too much rest, it's not a great thing for him. But at this age and the amount of mileage on his season and the last two years, um, having him be able to sit out, if that's the option you want, that would be something maybe I'm looking forward to, too. I keep going on and on and on. Um, no, I love it. There's a lot to look forward th- to. There is. Uh, Mike Shannon's final weekend That's in, right. in the broadcast booth will be special. Um, we're going to have a private party for Mike on Sunday, and I, I think that's going to be cool and, and some of the things that they have planned for him. Uh, and then I mentioned this at the very beginning, and I know some fans say, well, you know, come on, you're, you're, you're making too much of it. I, I don't think I am. And it's, it's Matt Carpenter's, what I would believe to be, Potentially, his you know if you if you lose that first game, these are the final three games of this regular season, and as I talked about for a lot of reasons, Matt Carpenter has been an outstanding Cardinal. Again, recent bias, and we all are in the moment, right? And what's happened recently, um, it hasn't been great. The last two two and a half years have not been great for Matt Carpenter, and it's not his fault he signed the contract. They offered him the contract, he got paid a lot of money, and the production of that uh, didn't come to fruition. I get it. But the full body of work of what he uh, had done in a St. Louis uniform for over 10 years was really good. 2011 World Series ring. He was a part of that team. Helped the Cardinals go to the uh, postseason and get to the World Series in 13. Many postseason appearances with Matt Carpenter being your leadoff man and playing third, playing second, setting the all-time doubles record in Cardinals history. And as I mentioned earlier, he's going to be in the top five or top ten of most offensive categories in uh, Cardinals history. He's been a great Cardinal. He really has had a tremendous career in St. Louis. So um, what happens with him and and recognizing that, you know, yeah. the fans taking a time to appreciate what uh, he's done. The full body work. Not recently, but the full body work. And I imagine that he'll get love from the fans because we saw it earlier this season when he would hit a home run and he would get a curtain call. I think Cardinals fans are the best at things like this. They understand the magnitude of the moment and they understand that it's honoring Matt Carpenter and everything right. that he's given to this organization and to the city. So I'm sure that they'll they'll pay their respects and tip their cap to him. I don't know if you feel this way. Um, for me, it's... Uh, as a guy that is, especially when we were traveling, it's the light at the end of the tunnel for me. It's the end of my season, yeah, and I right. made it through. And you know, just I love what I do, and it's always bittersweet. You know, it's it's a neat time to see that you made it through the six months, seven months if you include spring training, and you're hoping eight if you go to the playoffs and make a long run. But um, it's kind of an emotional time for a lot of people. And behind the scenes, there are people that no fan would know about. That it might be your usher or. Something somebody that works in the front office and it's their final go around and, and that kind of thing <clears throat> where, you, you know, it's and you realize, hey, I, I may not see these people until, 
or talk to them until spring of next year or that opening day of, of next season. So it's a, you know, it's you're saying goodbye to, to really good friends that you see every day for about seven months. And um, that's what makes the final weekend of a regular season good, bad. Your team is good or bad, just kind of bittersweet. And it's uh, always a, a neat time of year. Absolutely. And in regards to the four players that you mentioned, I'm certainly looking forward to seeing how Edmundo Sosa looks because he's sure. been such a spark plug for this team. He's been a, really a revelation when he stepped in for Paul DeYoung. The, the, some of the defensive plays that he's been able to make, the way he stepped up in, in clutch positions from an offensive standpoint. If you're going into a game potentially versus the Dodgers or the Giants, you certainly would like him to be healthy. Yachty or Molina too, especially if Adam Wainwright, sure. is, now that Adam Wainwright is getting the ball, we, we always knew that would be the case, but now that Mike Schilt announced it yesterday, you would like to see Wayno and Yachty together, but even though I am intrigued by Dakota Hudson, I'm intrigued to see Sosa, I'm intrigued to see Yadi or Molina, I think a lot of people in St. Louis are going to have all eyes again on Jack Flaherty to see what he looks like because yeah. I thought Mike Schilt's comments after Jack's last outing a few days ago were very interesting where he said, we're not going to push just to push. We want to make, I'm paraphrasing here, but we want to make sure that we are carrying guys that we have 100% confidence in and that we know that we can call upon. We don't want to put Jack in a bad position. Yeah, you've got so much invested in him, not just for the now and trying to win right now, but uh, moving forward. He's potentially the ace of your staff. I I think a couple other things I want to throw out there would be that I need to get that out of my throat. (laughs) And then number two would be, um, I I think that it would be awesome to see Arenado get 35 home runs. So he would set the all-time single-season record for a Cardinal third baseman. He's tied uh, right now with Fernando Tatis and Scott Rowland. Rowland, I think, was in 04. Tatis, I know for sure, was 99. And then getting Goldie to 100. 100 runs batted in. So you would have two guys in your lineup with 30 or more home runs and 100 or more driven in and uh, that's that's pretty darn good I mean we said at the beginning of the season remember one of the things we said is well Goldie and Arenado they have to be Goldie and Arenado and now you're saying boy have they been Goldie and Arenado and then you have Tyler O'Neill, who's got the 30 plus home run so those are a couple of the individual milestones I think that would be cool to see and we actually saw one yesterday let me see if I can find it but it was I wrote it down on my computer but Jay Happ got to win number 10 last night and so win number 10 or yesterday i should say was a big deal because he and only two other guys have had 10 or more wins in something like you know six or seven seasons in a row whatever it is outside of 2020 and it's like two of the best pitchers like scherzer was one and and somebody i think it was zach Greinke going back to like 13 or 14 i was gonna guess verlander so that's that's a good one you know i mean to get to to 10 wins um double digits in wins and um oh the other thing i think that'll be important to see too is is saturday john lester is supposed to start that game now they have pushed him back and remember how he came out of his last start the medical team was looking at him that's a big one that That we looking that's right you know how does he look how does he fare how does he feel the health moving forward because he is a big game pitcher he is even with the the stuff isn't quite where where it's been and he's become and remolded himself into a different pitcher uh that's a that's a big one finding out where where is he at health wise even if he only gives you five innings doesn't matter if he gives you five innings and you turn it over to what has been a very good bullpen that's a guy that i think you feel from a Cardinal standpoint, you say, yeah, is it uh, 
Randy Johnson in his prime or John Lester in his prime? No, but is it somebody still pretty good that's giving you outs and keeping you in games? Absolutely, and he's been a big game pitcher. So uh, that's another thing on Saturday that's very important to watch. I think that question is still out there. Adam Wainwright and then who? Who are you going to give the ball to after Adam Wainwright if the Cardinals do advance? And I'm with you. I think that you could make an argument for Michaelis. You can you can make an argument for a lot of different guys. But for me, John Lester has been there, done that. He understands the moment. He knows how to rise to the occasion. And you've seen a lot of great stuff from him down the stretch here. So if he looks great this weekend, that's something that I would certainly consider is having him after Adam Wainwright. But that's Andy Mack. I'm Michelle Smallman. Coming up next, hopefully, we will talk to comedian Sam Morrill. He's in town here. He was uh, here last night. He's going to be here all weekend with a series of shows. And we're going to chat with him next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Michelle Smallman here on 101 ESPN. We are waiting on Sam Morrill, comedian. He's in town at the Helium Comedy Club. He was here last night. He's going to be here through Saturday. You'll be locked into Danny Mac and Cardinal Baseball, but oh, yeah. if you've got some time, go to the Helium Club. Well, you can Helium always Comedy just uh, stream it right on your phone and take it in on the app and uh, take in the comedy as well. That's right. You could do both in today's world with technology. I've always wondered, like, what for comedians like how did they get in that line of work i mean you obviously have a calling to it and it's got to be really hard to get started and where you go and make a living out of it and you're traveling all over the place and you're doing radio hits like this uh-huh. i don't know man it would be tough It'd be really hard it's, would, a, it's got that's got to be a hard lifestyle big time you're traveling all the time and um i've watched a lot of of comedy specials and i've watched documentaries on comedians yeah and it's all dependent you could do the same exact set night to night and the crowd could be totally different yes. and what their sense of humor could be could be totally different and it's really hard to get a feel for a room like that so like it's when you say to your father-in-law thanks for paying for the first <laughs> of my three weddings right. and you get um you know crickets coming back at you except for your father-in-law laughing um, yeah, you got to read the room. No doubt. You know, and what's going on in your town? Are they happy? Are they upset? Uh, how COVID has affected some of this? You know, do people come out and they're just like, hey, give me a good time. I don't care. I'm going to laugh at anything because I just want to be entertained. Um, what that's about hard. hecklers? Hecklers, hecklers too. Hecklers would be tough. Just ho- hollering at you from the crowd. Somebody's had one too many cocktails. They yes. think they're going to be the star of the show. That's got to be tough. How late to the game was I that... Um, and I bet you saw, I mean, you're like on Netflix all the time and all like those different things. I was so late to the game. So one time we're on the road and uh, I'm flipping through the channels and I just happened to run into Comedy Central and they're having these celebrity roasts. Yeah. And I, uh, I, I either texted my wife or texted a really good friend and they're like, where have you been? <laughs> these things have been out for like, you know, years and you're just getting caught up on it. Right. And I'm like, yeah. I was like, Snoop Dogg and Martha Stewart are going after it, man. It's hilarious. You got to see this thing. And they're like, that was five years ago. Where, where have you been? Everybody was talking about it. I, I don't know. And, and so I, then I went back and streamed all the, uh, the celebrity roasts. 
Those things are amazing. They are. You have to have some pretty thick skin to oh. be the subject of a roast because they go in on people. I would not. Um, <laughs> they they said, hey, uh, you should uh, let them roast you. I'm like, no, that, that's I'm such an easy target. <laughs> and I would come out of there in tears and I, I wouldn't be able to handle it. But they did Jamie. I, I guess Jamie's was pretty good. Jamie I was Rivers. there. I was there. Ooh, give me the review. It was good, but I think the best part was that Jamie got the mic at the end. Oh, so he just torched everybody. He got to have his his rebuttal, but... You know what was funny is they weren't on as hard on Jamie as I thought they would be. Really? There was some really, really funny one-liners. Anthony Stalter was sneaky hilarious. Yes. Um, there, Kelly Chase was there, Reed Lowe. I mean, there was a whole group of people that, that roasted Jamie, and he got the mic afterwards. But I think I would walk out of a roast of myself with a list of enemies. Oh, yeah. I mean, or it's in the back of your mind, like you see that person a few months later, and you're like, hey, great to see you, Joe. How you doing? But then in the back of your mind, you know, you're like, I know what you said about me and probably what you really think about me. So, yeah, yeah, we'll have a superficial conversation right now. But, yeah, I'm not real happy with you. It's but you got to go in. I mean, go in open minded, knowing you're going to get torched. Well, you probably have the self-awareness enough to know what they're going to say about you before you go in there. Yeah. You're going to say, okay, here's my list of flaws. Here's some mistakes I've made. Here's some funny stories about me. This is A, B, and C of what they're going to hit. But I guarantee you there's probably something that you don't realize that you do or you don't realize that people think about you that is revealed when people are roasting you. Somebody just texted in 314. uh, Have you guys seen the uh, old Dean Martin's roast? Yes. And they sit up there on the – have you watched those? I have not. So it's it's so old school because they're all up there smoking cigarettes. <laughs> you know, it's in black and white, some of them. Just ripping some, heaters. Yeah, there's <laughs> just, you know, heaters all over the place. <laughs> Guys are taking big drags, you know, and, and blowing them out. And, and they're all sipping on whiskey and clear glasses. Yeah. You know, they're all just having a few cocktails and enjoying themselves. And it's funny. I mean, it's really good. And it was... Done at a time that wasn't nearly as as PC as we have now. Right. So they're letting it rip. Totally. And, and it's there's some funny stuff. Okay. Really funny. Question for you. Yeah. Because there are a lot of personalities and a lot of characters in baseball. Yes. Who is the funniest baseball player that you've ever been around? Ooh, that's a really good one. Um, you know, being around, it's kind of funny. I mean, like now that it's his final weekend, but being around Mike Shannon is just <laughs> back in the heyday of Mike when we were running on the road and doing the various things that we did. And he's an amazing st- uh, storyteller of both baseball and, and various things of his life, you know. Sure. Uh, I, it'd have to be, the most entertaining would have to be Shannon. So Mike was great to me when I first started. You know, I'm 23 years old, 24 years old, and Jack is still alive. And I'm doing games with Jack Buck and Mike Shannon and Joe. If Joe is doing TV, I do radio, radio, TV. Yeah. And we're all running together, you know. And um, And Mike really was just wonderful to me. They didn't have to be like that. Like I was the new kid on the block, you know what I mean? And and I'm just trying to survive and and get through a game and not totally make the experience horrible for a fan. I'm just trying my best. And he was awesome to me. And I mean the, the golfing, we played golf I, I countless times and going to the track with Mike, uh the dinners with Mike, going to um, bars and restaurants and just enjoying ourselves and talking. Um, and that's what I, you know, when people ask me about Mike Shannon, I'm turning this into Mike and this is his final weekend, obviously. 
That's what I think about. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I grew up listening to Jack and Mike, and obviously I loved his calls and, and the fun that he would bring to it. But uh, the thing I think about most are the personal experiences I had with Mike. And I have some funny ones, some really funny ones, and things that happened on the air, off the air. <laughs> hey, hit your cough button, which if you hit the cough button, it does, you're, you're, you're cutting off your mic. And then he would say something in the middle of the game that would just make you laugh. Um, and he was great to me. Like when we were doing games together, it was so much fun. Um, it, it, I, I think about going out to Wrigley and the stories that he would tell about, you know, one time they took out Stan the Man and he went out there and he's getting booed and the the fun that he had with the people in the stands. Yeah. And um, just you think about those times and. I mean, going to the track in San Diego and we're at Del Mar and he's got a private box before we go call a no-hitter of Bud Smith. I mean, stuff like like this isn't – I'm a South City kid living a dream and, and I'm doing these things with Mike Shannon and the golf is so much fun. I, stories I can't t- tell you on the air, but it's just <laughs> hilarious. you know. So he has been, to answer your question, um, probably the most the, – the funniest guy I've been around. Uh, in baseball, and I, you said player, because so I, I'll, I can technically say he was a player. Yeah, Obviously, course, he yeah. was part of those great sixty teams in sixty four, sixty seven, and sixty eight. But being around Mike was truly a one of a kind experience. And there will never, I can honestly say, there will never ever be another Mike Shannon. No, he's one of a, he's one of one. Just. The, the things <laughs> that he does, it just he was America's guest. I mean, everywhere we went. <laughs> That somehow we'd get a ticket to go somewhere or do something that you'd be like, oh, well, we can't do that. And he's like, ah, big boy, we got that taken care of. I'll find out, how to, you know, and sure enough, we'd be there, you know. One of the all time laughs, too. Oh, yeah. You know, I and can't do I'm not even going to try to do it. You know, everything. <laughs> so good. The big boy and the laughing on the air and the things that he would think about. Um, and the thing that we uh, should point out is that he was a. Uh, a brilliant baseball guy. I mean, he understood the game and taught you the game and thought of things that you weren't seeing. Um, the Live at Shannon's, going over and, and being a part of Live at Shannon's was always so much fun. And I started a lot of times with my career engineering remotes. I was there, so I'd be over there and doing those and then worked myself on the air and would be co-hosting with Mike as he's bringing in some of the biggest names in sports and the things that were done, you know, in the breaks and then afterwards everybody hanging out and grabbing a bite to eat and enjoying themselves um, and just the stories. You just sit back and listen and I would like to think I was smart enough at that time to to just shut up and listen and be, you know, I was lucky enough that they would it, keep me in their group, you mm-hmm. know, and uh, those are the things that, that come to mind when I think of Mike Shannon. I was trying to think of the funniest players I've been around. Um, well, you got a pretty funny guy in the booth with you, and Brad Thompson. He's great, <laughs> but as a player, man, he was so. Uh, and I think he opened up obviously with his teammates and being in the bullpen and being a guy that felt that he was established. But when he first came up, I've always said this: you know, the the two people I thought would be the last guys to be on the air and doing this type of work were Chris Duncan and Brad Thompson, right? I, I just didn't see it. And there are two of the best that have done this. I mean, Brad is exceptional at what he does He's and awesome. getting better and better and better. And uh, and Dunk, when I would do some shows with him, like um, like on television, uh, the post game, he, he would pick up stuff that was great. And he was a great communicator on the air and explaining to the fans what was going on. And obviously it happened on radio here at 101. But those are like the last guys you think about it. And it, it taught me a lesson is that you really don't know these guys until you know them. For sure. And they're so locked in. And Dunk, I've told this story, but 
I said to him one time, I go, man, you are great at this. You're, you're amazing at what you do. And I said, you know, did I upset you when you were playing? Like, did did I say something about your dad that 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 made you mad, or or I said something about a player or the pitching staff that upset your dad? So you went in with a preconceived notion of me, or did you didn't like how I called your games or whatever? And he said, Oh no, he goes, I loved you. My dad loves you. He goes, We we had no problems with you. I said, Well, I would try to interview you or get your attention just to talk to you for a little bit, and it was uncomfortable, you know. And he's like, Dan. He said, uh, you should have realized, and he said, I apologize. I, I never meant to be like that with you. He said, I was honestly scared to death that I was just going to drop a fly ball. Right. He said, I was more worried about catching a fly ball than I was anything else. So I was just so locked in on that. I, I just probably didn't even realize I was doing it. And that's what we have to remember. The, the shelf life of a player is so short. And they're so locked in and they're thinking about, oh, my goodness, how am I going to hit John Lester tonight? And if the ball is hit to me, am I going to catch it? Because Chris Duncan was playing out of position in in the outfield that uh, they're locked into other things that we probably don't think about. I mean, for seven months, it's a mental grind where they're waking up and thinking about that night. The minute they wake up, they're thinking of what am I going to do to get through this game and have success? And that is that's hard. I mean, that that wears you out. It really does. There's a lot of pressure there, no doubt. Um, And again, congratulations to Mike Shannon on an unbelievable career. By the way, uh, somebody just said on a three one four, who would uh, have liked to broadcast with you? uh, Would you have liked to do that with the with Bob Uecker? Yes. Yeah, of course, right? He is one of the funniest people I've ever been around, and another guy that treated me. So awesome and has every time I see him, he says, uh, hello, Maxwell. That's what he (laughs) says to me. And then we just start talking and he's been great with his time with interviews with me, um, which I know sometimes he probably gets asked to do so many interviews and different things of that nature, but always really, really accommodating and funny to the point that he would come and find me at times in the booth and say, where you been? I want to talk to you. You That's awesome. He was just. And and he's hysterical. One of the funniest people, if not the funniest guy I've ever been around. For sure. I could do this with you all day, Dan. That's Danny Mac. I'm Michelle Smallman here on 101 ESPN. But we need to get to Ryan Fagan of the Sporting News. We're going to talk Cardinal baseball with Ryan next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. <laughs> Danny Mac, Michelle Smallman here with you on 101 ESPN on this Friday. We're talking a lot of baseball today as the Cardinals start a series. Emily fired the sounder. You know what that means. It's time for the final word and the phrase that pays. 101 ESPN has your chance to win a pair of tickets to see the Cardinals take on the Cubs this Saturday night at Bush. 30,000 fans ages 16 or older are going to take home their very own Paul Goldschmidt bobblehead, courtesy of Purina. I know Dan can't wait to take that one home. Oh, yeah. Put it on his mantle. You, you can get all the details on this Saturday's Paul Goldschmidt bobblehead giveaway for the Cardinals versus the Cubs now at cardinals.com slash promotions. And you're going to want to text in the entire phrase that pays. Dan, pick a number. What number texter do we want before I reveal the final word? Uh, How about 18 in honor of Mike Shannon? Very good. Okay, texter 18. So be ready to send this in. The final word in the phrase that pays is fundy. It is fundy. So get that in right now, 65780. But let's head right now to the Brown and Crouppen celebrity line and checking with Ryan Fagan, senior baseball writer at the Sporting News. You can follow him on Twitter at Ryan Fagan. Good morning, Ryan. Thanks for taking the time to join us. 
Hey, always enjoy it. How are we doing today? We are doing great. So we were talking, Ryan, a couple segments ago about things that Dan and I are going to be looking forward to this weekend as the Cardinals take on the Cubs. They've already locked up that wild card spot. But I think a lot of people are going to have eyes on Jack Flaherty, wondering what he looks like as the Cardinals potentially set up a, a postseason roster. What do you want to see from Jack Flaherty this weekend? And if you were Mike Schultz or John Mozeliak, what role would you want to use him in as the postseason approaches? I mean, the first thing you want, obviously, is you want to see him get through the weekend healthy, right? You you want him to be an option. You want to be able to have the luxury of figuring out how he fits into the the picture, um, whether it's you know the wild card, the one game wild card, or you know if the Cardinals do get past the, the looks like the probably be the Dodgers, um, what how he plays into the division series roster. I think that's the first thing. But you know, I think he's a guy that you know, it's funny to think that the Cardinals have played so well, right? over the last month and it's really been without two of the guys who have been a, a huge part of their their pitching success over the last couple of years in Jack Flaherty and Dakota Hudson and and all of a sudden these guys are potentially back in the mix and you know if you're a Cardinals fan I mean there's a lot of reason to be excited right now there's no doubt about that those are two pretty big ones you know adding adding those two guys to the mix and I think you know Flaherty does he fit in as kind of an opener, you know, not the, the, exactly the way that the Rays have done it over the past couple of years, but, you know, you maybe you, you piggyback, um, you know, Flaherty and, and, and Hap in the start. That's a possibility. You know, does he come out of the bullpen? I think that's part of the reason probably that Mike Schilt used him out of the bullpen the other day, you know, just to kind of give him a chance to experience what that, what's that, what that is like. Cause he's obviously been a starter his entire career. It's not something that he's done, you know, so I think that's going to be interesting to see and, and how he reacts to whatever way they use him in this series. I think that might, that might go a long way to see how they potentially use him in the postseason. Yeah, it's also interesting. I'm sure they want to get some innings under the belt of Yadier Molina as well as Edmundo Sosa, and I'll be watching that closely and probably John Lester uh, Ryan as well on Saturday. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, Sosa is a big thing. He, he's such a huge part of what they've done uh, lately and kind of coming in and, and stabilizing that, that shortstop position and just, you know, getting better quality at bats. You know, I mean, you know, it's, I think that's a big reason that they've been uh, successful in the last month is what he has done, how he has, you know, given them that, that offense out of a position that, you know, quite frankly, they haven't gotten much offense out of for the past couple of years, an occasional home run, but nothing close to consistent in the bat. So I think that, yeah, he's a, he's a big part. You know, if they're going to have success and if they're going to make a run into October, I think, I think Sosa is a, is a big part of that equation. Ryan, we're still waiting to see if it's the Dodgers or the Giants that the Cardinals will face next week. Which team do you think the Cardinals stack up better against? Well, I mean, the thing is, is you look at you look at the rosters and you look at the Dodgers and they've got you know, Max Scherzer, Walker Bueller, and Urias and Kershaw, and they've got a lineup full of MVP candidates and you know, well, former MVPs and, and Bellinger and Betts and and All Stars, and you say, well, you don't want anything to do with them, but. I mean, the Giants are the ones that have the best record in baseball, and they have all year. And you know, they've done it with a lot of no-name guys, um, at least outside of San Francisco. But they've been consistent. You know, the Dodgers have played great baseball, great baseball, not good baseball, great baseball over the past two months. 
and they haven't gained anything on the Giants because the Giants are playing great baseball too. So, you know, I think this is really a case where, you know, it's easy to look at the rosters and say, okay, well, you know, you don't want to have anything to do with those Dodgers because they're, they're so very good and they have all these guys that have established track records, success in the postseason. But, man, these Giants are good. They really are. And I think if you're, um, if you're going into a one-game scenario against them, you want to go win with the confidence that the Cardinals have because of how they're played, because then you're they've played lately, because then you're not so worried about what the other team's going to do. You know, it's easy to say that, but if you're a team that's been playing shaky baseball and kind of back into the postseason, you know, it's you, you have those doubts in your mind in a one-game scenario. Anything can happen. One of those things flares up, and all of a sudden you're done. The Cardinals playing with the confidence they have. You know, I think that they're legitimately not not concerned about which team they're going to end up facing. I think it's going to be a great weekend when you look at also what's happening in the American League. How about the Mariners? Yeah. It's an incredible story, isn't it? Oh, my gosh. It's so much fun. I mean, and, and not just the fact that, you know, this is a team with a run differential that's in the negative, right? <laughs> and they're a game ahead of a Toronto team that has a run differential that's, I think, 170 or something like that. It's just a great, you know, the Jays are a great team, and they win big when they win. The Mariners win a lot of close games. You know, that's all there is to it. And they get blown out, you know, pretty regularly. You know, they've won 10 of the last 11 games. And the one loss they had, they lost 14 to 1, right? That's kind of how it's been this season. They've lost big, but they've won enough games and they're playing really well right now. And I think the thing that really stands out to me about the way they've been playing lately is, you know, they've won 10 of the last 11. They went 7 and 0 against the A's. Another team was in the exact same situation. They were trying to make a run to push towards a potential spot in the American League playoffs, and the Mariners swept them in seven games. And that's not easy to do against another team that is just as hungry, has just as much motivation as you do. And I think that, you know, and then you add into the fact that they haven't been to the postseason since 2001, which is MLB's longest playoffs drought. And, yeah, it would be it, it would be just a great, great story if the Mariners somehow wind up um, playing their way into the postseason conversation when really they've been an afterthought for the entire season. Ryan Fagan is our guest, senior baseball writer at the Sporting News. Follow him on Twitter at Ryan Fagan. And of course, read all of his great work at the Sporting News. Ryan, we're still waiting for the entire playoff picture to be ironed out. But as of right now, who are your two World Series favorites? You know, I, I, I want to say if the Jays get in there, they're a team I could definitely see running through the American League. I mean, they've got good pitching. We saw what Jose Barrios can do. Um, but I guess I can't pick them if they're a game out of the, the postseason when you get into, you know, just the last weekend of the regular season. You know, we, we have to have our, our projections. But we haven't we haven't set our deadline yet, so I haven't <laughs> picked the, my final team. You know, I, I've got a couple teams. I mean, you know, it's it's not crazy to see whoever comes out of the NLDS that's going to be between the three teams, the Dodgers, Cardinals, and Giants, right? Whoever comes out of that NLDS is my pick to get to the World Series for the National League. And in the American League, I'm, I'm not sold on the White Sox. I want to be sold on the White Sox. I really do. I'm not sold on the White Sox. I'm not sold on the Astros. Um, 
I think it's going to be whoever comes out of that that other division series. I think it's going to be interesting. You know, probably going to wind up being the Rays again. Nobody's going to be excited about it, but that's a really, really good team. What are you working on, Ryan, right now with the sporting news? Uh, because I always love your unique look at baseball and the numbers and the little idiosyncrasies of the game. So what are you working on right now? Well, we just published today uh, kind of a look at the, at the playoff scenarios for the AL. I mean, there, there are 24 different ways that they could play out in the American League wild card right now, which is pretty cool. But, you know, my favorite thing to publish today is um, a look at – because Seinfeld – is back on Netflix or is on Netflix starting today. I, I did something looking at the 17 best baseball moments Nice in the Seinfeld series. You know, it's the time that, that Mickey Mantle punched, or sorry, Kramer punched Mickey Mantle at a Yankees fantasy camp. You know, the second spitter with Keith Hernandez, the time that Costanza gave Derek Jeter and Bernie Williams batting tips because he was super smart at, at that moment. So, yeah, I mean, no sitcom did baseball better and Seinfeld. And so putting together this, this, this list of the 17 best baseball moments was, was a lot of fun. That sounds great, Ryan. We'll be sure to check that out at the Sporting News and all your great work at the Sporting News. Again, follow Ryan on Twitter at Ryan Fagan. Ryan, great stuff as always. Thanks for taking the time to join us this morning. We appreciate you. I always enjoy it. Thanks. Thanks, Ryan. Uh, by the way, another thing to uh, keep in mind for this weekend is Joe West and Jerry Davis. Now, they're they're umpires, so there was a report a couple of days ago that Joe West is going to retire. Uh, The Boston Globe's Pete Abraham said that West will call it a career, and he set the record, obviously, when the—I think it was when the Cardinals were playing the White Sox. It was 5,300—man, that's a lot of games—5,376 games. And also, uh, there was uh, some rumblings at the ballpark, and I don't know if this is official or not. It could be it for Jerry Davis. Now, Jerry Davis will umpire—I think he's going to be behind the plate on Sunday— and that will be his 5,000th game. He is a St. Louis native. Um, so that's really cool. I mean, 5,000 games to last that long, the way that they're evaluated now, uh, you're obviously awfully good if you're able to do that for 5,000 games. That is a lot of Major League Baseball. It's a lot of arguing. That's a lot of balls and strikes. That's a lot of outs and safe. And um, and and you have to have relationships with people to, to stay that long. So sure. I, I applaud them for, for being able to stay in baseball for that long. And I... Uh, my understanding is that the Joe West crew stays. They were for this series, this past series that just finished up. They're going to stay uh, for the weekend series. Joe loves St. Louis, and um, and this could be it for him and maybe Jerry Davis as well. Wow, absolutely! It's end of the season. It yeah. comes so quickly, and for some people, that's baseball is your entire life, and then it's just over. Yeah, uh, it's crazy. It's. Uh, I always find like when we were traveling, especially my wife said it it would take me like a month to kind of come out of just in that baseball (laughs) mode because all of a sudden you're back thrust into like, uh, oh, I got time on my hands and I'm not thinking about being down to the ballpark early and doing notes and and that's for a baseball player, too. I mean, but these guys, it's crazy now. They they take like a week or two off and. They start hitting in a cage, working out, throwing. You know, they take a little time off, maybe take a vacation, but it's uh, there's no doubt about it. It's a full time job. Back to the grind. Yep. Well, Dan, what do we have coming up on the Danny Mac Show with BK? Looking forward to this. One of the great writers, uh, really in sports, Joe Posnanski, is uh, got a new baseball book out, and uh, we're going to talk about that. It's like the top 100 players, and he did a deep dive and. 
He's really, really a smart individual and did, uh, just did a remarkable job on the, the history of the game and the history of these players and the antidotes and things of that nature. So we'll we'll talk out over with him, and I'm sure we'll talk a lot with BK about what uh, lies ahead this weekend and what took place yesterday at the ballpark. Sounds great. We'll be listening. Thanks, Dan, for you filling in today. You're have the best. Great, have a great weekend. Well, I will. And shout out to Bill from Sullivan, Missouri, who knew that today's phrase that pays was the big fundy in honor of Paul Goldschmidt. And there will be a Paul Goldschmidt bobblehead giveaway at the ballpark this Saturday night. Emily Butcher, great work. Thank you so much. Thank you. And thank you to everyone for listening. Have a great weekend and be sure to stick around. The Danny Mac Show with BK is next here on 101 ESPN. That was the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN.